that. All right, let's do a show. Do <laughs> you want to do a show? Or I would sp- like to do a show. Uh, it's, uh, right. it's a, I got a busy oh, day going. Oh, I screwed it up. Well, I guess the show's over, everybody. Thanks there for it listening. Is. Now it's a show. Now it's a show. It's show number 60. Is it really? I'm not a very good counter. Oh, that's... Uh, you're the one with the kids, so that's good. I uh, got to... I don't show that. I don't have the kids at math at all. No, I'm that's sure somebody else's wanna... problem. By the way, they've changed math so much. Oh yeah, dude. Do they I call couldn't... Common Core whatever that means. Listen, I totally get it. What their whole the whole concept is, there's more than one way to solve a problem, which is kind of outside the box thinking, which they believe is the future. So all that stuff makes sense. However, when you were trained one way growing up, and then you're forced back into that system, and you're not going to class every day, you feel like an idiot. Yeah, but... welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I'm Brian <laughs> Irwin, and I'm John Huck. Back to what you were saying, what? But don't. You feel like, it, but but do they still do algebra? Do they still do? Well, first off, my kids are too young to be doing that. We don't have any Doogie Howsers in the house yet. Oh, I thought they were both Doogies. Which is kind of layered now when you think about when you say Doogie Hauser. It's kind of got not it's really. layered. It still means smart young doctor. Huh. I mean, if you say Neil Patrick Harris, that doesn't mean child actor anymore. But no, meaning that he came out of the closet. Yeah, but which he was probably the best if you think about it. But we're, I'm not he talking about the real the person. I'm talking about the character. Like Neil no. Patrick Harris didn't go to medical school. Yeah, but you know what? I could see all my people that I grew up with who just really loved using the words like gay and fag. Yeah, and realized that they can't say it anymore are now going. Don't be such a Doogie Howser, dude. They feel like they can secretly no, get away with that's it. That's like I've heard that about a bunch of stuff. You anyway, know? but anyway, my point was, if there was anybody that um, I think. It was good that they came out, and it was like they made they did it the right way. He was he's like a perfect example of somebody. It was like, yeah, I'm gay, and he still played heterosexual roles, and everybody was like, fine, great, whatever. I thought that was great. Anyway, he, yeah, he's I, a perfect example of like the the right. The, the, he was one of the right people to do it, I guess. But what I find interesting, and this is just <clears throat> probably uh, there was a many right, years on. many years in between. This is your favorite part, the marching band part. Remember, you always talk about it. You remember, like, remember the marching band part, Brian? Okay. When you have kids, yes. and you have to go to Disneyland, and this is like just chiming in the background wherever you go. Constantly? Yeah, there's just like always this happy-go-lucky 60s music, always like, buy and shop and candy and spend money, and then your kids are going to complain, and you're going to keep that fake smile on your face. All right. I literally started to meditate to get out of that situation. <laughs> I was so irritated. Um, okay, so what were you saying now? I fucking forgot. About Doogie. Oh, yeah. Oh, what I find interesting, and again, this is there were many years in between the shows, but... Will and Grace, right? This guy yeah. is, everyone is like, what a great actor. He's a straight guy playing gay. Look at how sensational that is. Oh, And then Neil Patrick Harris comes along and literally plays the, the typical pussy hound jerk off guy, right? For however many seasons that show that I never watched was on, but like that, forever. And he was out of the closet and you know, gay as a bee, no one and everyone was like, "Whatever, yeah, great." And I was like, "I'm not. I wasn't. A, I'm not a fan of either show." But like, shouldn't he be getting the same kind of like? No, I think I think this or, is exactly or, the way it should be. Which you're right. Is like, or it's is, just or like, is it like it doesn't matter? On. He's yeah. an actor. You're right. That's you're what right. I was you're telling right. you about. Right. Like, so maybe that was it. That's he what he crossed years over of. in a way that no, it, it 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 didn't. It wasn't a meaning that it's not a big deal. Right. And it was just like he's an actor. He's supposed to be playing whatever character is faced in front of him. He. None of this is reality. I mean, for God's sakes, dude, we grew up in a time where people didn't know that Liberace was gay. I know. I know. My parents would be like, well, Liberace special's on. And my dad would be like, this guy seems a little light in the loafers. Yeah, and I'm like, But seems. they would never specifically seems. say, 
I think he likes men. They I mean, just they couldn't eat Paul the, Lynn. Like there was so the many funniest shit on SNL with like Eddie Mur- like when who played Liberace, but they were like there was like guy talk. Joe Joe Piscopo was hosting guy talk, and it was like I'm here with Michael Jackson and Liberace. <laughs> it's like and they just both talked about how much pussy they slayed and how they were all oh, the ladies you know you got to beat them off with a stick and it was really funny man <laughs> by the really way speaking funny. of of just not acknowledging what's right in front of you i happened to catch my reflection with like a, a sunlit reflection Ooh. in the mirror which i first off i, I at this age i just avoid this mirror glistening as through as the possible. shoulder hair I already knew I had that. I can cover that. You know, you, you know, I got my arm issues. That sometimes it's hard to wear long sleeves yeah. in the hot days. But yeah, Brian does have arm. I issues. got arm issues. But but here's the thing. It's like I, I I catch my reflection, and the back of my neck is just loaded with fur. Mm. And 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 where mm. you know mm. when you get a haircut and you're like trim it up, you don't you don't get your hair as cut as, as short as mine because of my style. But I have to get it short, and it, it will kind of like it'll. The back hair will connect to the the back of my real hair, my head hair, and I, I look at that. and I go, really? No one was willing to like go. Hey, you know what? You should probably get a line in there. Just get a just, just one somebody would have said, quick, you know what? I'm just going to give you a heads up. You probably don't see this. Your back hair is going know, into your head. I know your image. <laughs> I know that I want you to still be seen as someone who hasn't given up. So why don't you Who's, go get that? Wait fixed? a minute. Wait a minute. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. Everybody's wait a minute. looking at you me and saying, "This is good." You. This is I do because and that say, means they still I know your image. They want. Yes, I'm and saying, I want. Yeah. I know you want to look like a guy who hasn't given up. Yes, people. You want people. To no, not those specific words. But my point is, it saddens me that they go whatever with that guy. Just whatever. Like they're just like whatever That's he him. looks like. Fuck He's it. got sweatpants on. It's yeah. Tuesday afternoon. It's He's just got disappointing nowhere to be. that they've lowered the bar that much that there's nothing to talk is about. Is that in the box bag next to him? There are people that could walk out of the house and be like, dude, you got a little piece of lint on your shoulder. Like, they care that much to even get the lint off their shoulder. They're not saying shit about me. They're like, whatever he looks like, you know what? There it is. Maybe you're not on a very approachable looking guy. Uh, within my own family? What are you talking about? <laughs> Maybe with- they find you off-putting. <laughs> Don't want to talk to you. They've just let it go. They just, I mean, I am I am a crumpled newspaper from Walmart. Uh, <laughs> Just angrily walking Brian down the street. Brian is yesterday's apparently. USA Today. God damn it. Anyway. <laughs> Sad. Oh, God. After all that and hitting my head. Remember that story, huh? Oh, yeah. Fell down the stairs. Everyone remembers that. Our listeners were even like, well, if they haven't tuned out yet because your back hair is growing into well, your head hair. I fixed it. Oh, once thank, I discovered it. Thank God. With surgery, or is there anybody you want to you, you want to thank for Just that? Wait, I don't know if you've gotten to the point yet where you go get your uh, where you go get your hair done, and one of the things they feel inclined to do is fix your ear, ears. That's when you know you crossed over. Fix your ears. They oh. go. In, they go into the ears. You know what? They add they, that in. They add my that guy in. should start doing that because I'm pull. I got. I got a little bit of ear hair going. What's with the curve feelers? <laughs> they start growing out of the nose. Like, not not just yeah. me, but like I notice like older men, like the yeah, nose hair. Gotta watch that. Are, get go pat when your when your nose hair is going over your mouth. Get it out. <laughs> okay, don't keep it there like it's not fucking happening. Drives me nuts. Yeah, and, sh- and trim your mustache. You know, you keep that out of your mouth yeah, too. Get, you don't get want it out. that in your old. Get it out. Speaking Stop of mustaches, uh, let's, let's bring them in real quick. Our, we got our, more facial hair to talk about here. Yeah, we've got many more beards and stashes to uh, to go over. Bring them in. Bring them in. Uh, our guest today. Uh, uh, let's see, author, uh, voiceover actor, yeah. regular actor, uh, Re- regular normal actor, in front of the camera guy, <laughs> and then uh, Chicago sports fan, yeah. but from in- from Wisconsin, Wisconsin, oh, okay. Wisconsin guy, yeah, uh, actually, yeah. you know what, you, you knew that, that. Yeah. yeah, I did, I did, uh, Brad, you know, is, tell me if I'm saying this right, Gresnick, so 
I pronounce it Grusnik. Grusnik, but, my but no one cousin, cares what but, you pronounce. But my it. cousins pronounce it Grusnik, so I really don't care. Well, where, where are they ca- from? We're, we're catering, <laughs> and to they're them. from Chicago. We assume okay. they're listeners, but, they're, but that it's their last name too. Okay, so the, so the the, the the Illinois, the Illinois faction say Grusnik, Grusnik. and you from and Wisconsin, Wisconsin say, say Grusnik. Grusnik, yeah, yeah so, but that's more yeah. like a boot. Oh, you know, I gotta more, go to the house, listen, boys. Me, I, Brad Grusnik. I, I'm surprised being, you didn't add an S because it has to rhyme with Packers. Everything uh, up there Packers. in Wisconsin. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm from like, Wisconsin, like John said. You know. Yeah, the, I'm from Wausau. Okay. So, oh yeah, yeah. My parents live in uh, in northern. Uh, uh, they live in Manaqua, Hazel. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. so you're, yeah, you're the last civilized city before they go up. Yeah, before you get Ashland. Here's Woods, and then the you know. Here's the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, and then <laughs> Canada. That is yeah. so... Dude, I had to hear that song in college like every day. That's by by land, about. I would actually call it a segregation. Mm-hmm. Leading up to the last uh, uh, segregated, Milwaukee's still a little bit segregated. Oh, Milwaukee's one, isn't yeah. Milwaukee one of the they most still, segregated cities in America? Yeah, which is weird. I, and I didn't notice it. I noticed it more not I didn't notice being it from there hang anymore the white going part back. Of then I noticed it when I was there because my family just doesn't roll like that, so I never really noticed it. But when I go back now, it's pretty clear. Well, where, where I grew up, there was actually a really large Vietnamese Hmong population because, yes. like, there was yes, there, there's like huge, huge up there. there's like a gang, huge huge gang problem, like, up there gang like problem, yeah, like yeah. a ginseng. It's like a ginseng conglomerate up there. What? Like, really, yeah, that's yeah. where they gr- grow ginseng is in northern Wisconsin. You should, yeah, it probably happened after hey. you left. But yeah, so basically, you go with segregation. <laughs> I it goes last civilized city Wausau, uh, Mung Jingsing uh, gang, <laughs> um, House on the Rock, yeah, then, House then, on the Rock, the House big, on the Rock, the, the, the big fish in Hayward, yeah, and, 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 then, and then Paul Bunyan's, and then Paul Bunyan's, and then from there you just hate Indians. All right, so anyway, yeah. so uh, and, and, welcome to the then, show. And then, and then you're you up in Canada, okay. and then everybody's nice again. I think they're done hating Indians. Now. I remember when I was in the eighties, this just the, the, the it there was, was it was the weirdest yeah. racism I had ever seen because you don't see it. You do see, for a while it was up there, and I can't remember what it was about. It was about land or fishing, or it's always it was some about big land issues. I think yeah. they just really hated that littering commercial, <laughs> so that's I think that's what it was. It was just the weirdest thing yeah. to see, be like, really, we're still we're mad at we're, we're angry with Indians who were here we first. Took, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're really yeah. mad at them for letting us take their yeah, land. Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, that's the that is that is a weird racism that nobody really talks about if you don't live in those areas. No. Speaking yeah. of weird stuff that people don't talk about, which is like you know Brian's what ha- why do you back here? Speaking of which, like I like. That your wife didn't acknowledge that you were growing your own hoodie. Like that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's unbelievable. But that like, means yeah. she, but she loves me. Like, There's a certain level of love and yeah. tolerance, or, or she, she just no longer looks that at she's me. Just like, yeah, I'm, she either loves and tolerates, or she's just like, I've been ignoring that part of his body for 20 years. You're getting married soon. Are you married? I'm not. Okay. I've got a long-term girlfriend. I actually okay. just moved in with her this past weekend. Define long-term. Like yeah, you, well, a year and a year and a half, so okay. it's not okay. that long okay. term. Yeah, not long enough. That's to just not, I'm getting yeah. married. You're not full gross yet. No, we're we're getting there. Yeah, yeah. Full, full, there's full, we're full like, gross is just we're, we're everything. On, it, like, there, there is no such thing. You guys like, fart in front of each farting other. And, yet? Farting okay. and pooping <laughs> is 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 fair game. But full gross is just like everything is just gross. At a certain point, you're, you, you imagine. Remember when you grew up with your family and like just full on uh, your I whole family, everything is exposed. Yeah. The good, the bad, and the ugly, and there's just a lot of smells and just things you just you just grow to tolerate gross, and it's just like that's fine. That's that's growing up. That's just. But that's also human bodies, man. Yeah, like, what that's am I what get I'm mad saying though. Right, but we don't. Poopy? When you're going on a date, you don't present the real human body. Oh, well, no, fuck you no. don't. You don't go in three years. You're going to be popping my backsits. No. like you don't. You don't. No, say you embalm that. yourself before you go on dates. <laughs> basically, for all intents and purposes, until you meet the one you love, you're embalming yourself. Yeah. You are basically putting on a fake front. 
Oh, absolutely. That that's just got layers that you're just covering up. Just gross. Everyone's gross. I don't care who they are. Um, the most beautiful people in the world. Aunt, oh, they're Anderson, gross. gross. No, no, don't say that about the most beautiful people in the world. Now back to the hair problem. <laughs> I don't understand why when you get older, because it happens after 40, is like why do the nose hairs get longer, ears. Yeah. My eyebrows have fucking oh, mine, gotten out of mine, control. Mine are like that was the saddest day for me, actually, was when the woman was cutting my hair, she goes, you want me to do a little bit of eyebrow uh-huh. trim? And I was like, God damn it. No, like, you just go, yes, crossover. please. Thank you for noticing. I did, but yeah. in my head, I was like, there it is. Yeah. There's the fucking old man tangled up fucking eyebrow thing. Well, I the lost my hair by 25. Like, it was gone. But see, people can live with that. I mean, I'm not going to... I don't. But, I still have mine, so I don't yeah. want to just assume you're but, happy with it, but my point I'm is... I'm totally happy with it. There's a way to deal with that. Thank you. Yeah, you wear it well. You but got a good head. But the thing is, is like, even though I... Well, thank you. Even though I don't have hair on my head, I think I spend more time removing other hair... From my body than then, anything, where it's like yeah. trimming the beard, trimming the eyebrows, trimming the ear hair, making sure that the back doesn't get all crazy. Well, that's what I was going to say, you is know. you have to make sure that you keep it, like, because you do, you can still grow hair. Right. So you have to keep that down. Then you have to make sure that, like, your beard doesn't do that thing where it grows behind your neck right. and shit. And, like, <laughs> I've actually never asked anybody with, with, that where, yeah. when, the, when the hair starts going on. So where did mm-hmm. it, where did it go away first? So it, it actually started to go away in the like the widow's peak area. And, and I didn't wh- get the how male long pattern. did you fight it before you're like, "Fuck this! I'm going to try to go with the with the uh, with a new look." I, I I didn't. I actually like I started. I noticed like my senior year of college. Okay. I was 22, and I had to like comb my hair differently when I was in the importance of being earnest. You were trumping. Yeah, I was trumping. So okay. it's like I I had to like change the part in my hair. Like I used to have that like n- late 90s uh, Goodwill Hunting butt cut. Like, okay. Oh yeah. You know, okay. Yeah. All right. I had that yeah. up until like three years ago. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So I had that, and I had to change my hair part, and I was like, "Ooh, <clears throat> it's a it's a little thin." So that was at like twenty one, twenty two. Okay. By twenty five, it was like, okay, I have to start getting shorter haircuts, and then about six months later, I was like, "I you were just, just have like, to shave it's not even worth it. I gotta it. shave it." So because yeah. I mean, once you know now, is there the fear of like you don't know it's the unknown? You don't know what the rest of your head looks like when you take it all off. Or did you have a general idea that you did you feel around your head and go? I, I have a, I, yeah, it was like a good it was head. Like, do I have a weird dent in the back? Yeah, here? that's that you don't know about yeah. until the hair goes away. Right? Exactly. Well, it's like my dad went bald down the middle, and he's just got like the crescent and has had the like crescent with he, the hair he, on the sides. The Captain Stubing, I call it. Yeah, the Captain <laughs> yes. Stubing. Yeah. So, so that's a that's a generational thing, right? Like, no one yeah. would really do that anymore, right? There would, no. You would do it if you if so you could get a part, you would. Do it. If I, I mean, had a, a like the reason that this beard is so full is because my commercial agent was like, you yeah. got to go with a bigger beard, dude. Yeah, because you yeah. right now, I mean, I'd cast you to play Mister Clean or uh, <laughs> Brawny, the paper towel guy, or right. exactly. And it's like we could we could both get a shitty part on Game of Thrones, being like the <laughs> oh my you know, god, the, the, no, dead, the, the dead cousin, Viking number the cu- four, the cousins of the other red bearded guy. Oh yeah, and of we course. could just both get stabbed immediately. Yeah. <laughs> You guys are just Capital One and Capital Two. Yeah, right? we really are. Capital the, One and the Capital old, Two cards. The old Viking ads. Bring but yeah, it back. So, so, so you were like, I'm not going to pretend. I'm just no. going to go with it. No, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to let it go. And then once I did shave my head, I was like, you know what? I actually feel like I look better this without is... the hair. Now, there yeah. used to be this thing that everybody was like, Michael Jordan made bald cool. Do you remember when that whole thing came in where like he, they were like, you know. As far as athletes he, go, he was one of the right. first. I feel like maybe for white guys, Andre Agassi before that, right? <laughs> well, but well, Telly Savalas was the ball. Like that was your ball. Th- that or Mister Clean right. wasn't even a real character. So no, uh, well, being. let's not say. But like, I, say but that. I don't feel like guys were looking at Telly Savalas and going <laughs> like, well, "I'm going to go get myself a lollipop and shave my head." Get you had to get like, a fedora. My yeah. point was that he was. The, there was no like person you pointed to and go, "Well, he did it." So I'm going to. Yeah. 
exactly. So I uh, know it was just like, well, I, this was, is this is so much cleaner, and I don't want to do the crescent thing because my dad, for you know, for forty years, got haircuts. It was yeah. like he would go to the barber shop and get like the the thing around the back yeah, of his trimmed. head cut. Yeah, and like he, I mean, he's Franz he, and he NYPD blue. He still does, you know. And it's just like it's like, Dad, just let it go, man. Does you ever go. think that he went to the barber just faked cutting his hair because it wasn't going anymore? <laughs> yeah, and he's like, he was snipping around it, and he's like, what do you think? It's like like Eddie Murphy cutting Cuba Gooding Jr.'s hair and coming to America, where he's not. He's like three and a four like feet from his hand. He's like, Rocky Masana. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, uh, there's a Monty Python sketch too, where the guy's like he just plays a recording of cutting hair, and he's like, what "Are you even doing?" He's like, "I'm sorry, I'm afraid of." It's actually the beginning of the lumberjack thing, isn't it? He's like, "I'm afraid of." Oh no, that was something else. But he's like, "Yeah, I, I, I'm afraid of cutting hair." Anyway, yeah, I wanted to be a lumberjack. Yeah, I brought that. I brought this to a screeching halt. Thank no, you. Everybody. No, no, listen, I, I like Monty Python was like that was the beginning. If we want to bring it back around. Uh, Monty Did Python you, was definitely the beginning of, of your hair my career. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, okay. No, of my hair loss. Yeah, of my career. Actually, like, I didn't know, like, in middle school, I had no idea what Monty Python was. Like, oh. I had friends that were like, hey, have you seen this movie, Monty Python and the Holy Grail? And at the time, I just assumed that it was a parody of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, okay. I thought Monty Python was <clears throat> a person. Oh, like Indiana Jones. Yeah. Hi, well, I'm do, Monty Python. Yeah. yeah okay. But Monty That's Python is a select. You, you, it's a, it's a certain style of comedy. So you're also talking to people that have a certain taste in comedy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like the average American, y- younger kids is though. not. But yeah, but I. But, but no, but what I'm saying, when we were young, young, and we it, saw Monty Python, we didn't. It was the ridiculousness of it. As you got older, it was what was being done. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Does that make sense? Like how goofy and crazy they were, and their accents were funny when we were kids. But then, as I became, got into high school and shit, I was like, "Oh yeah, they're actually right." Like Life of Brian is saying something totally. Like, the, like when I first when I first saw the Monty Python and the Holy Grail, I was like, "Oh, they're using coconuts. Oh, that's hilarious. It's right. awesome." Yeah. And then yeah. when I when I got older and I watched like the Flying Circus stuff, I was like, <laughs> "They're uh, summarizing Proust." Yeah. You know, it's like nobody. I like I wouldn't have gotten that when I was twelve. No. You know? But the ridiculousness of what they were doing and the way it looked, you would have laughed. You're yeah. Just, it's it's like Benny Hill. You're just laughing at silly. Yeah. Exactly. You have no idea. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The subtext. Well, so. you also just wanted to watch girls run around. And be well, and, yeah, right. and once exactly. you get older, you realize Benny Hill is just an old pervert yeah, that would have yeah. never been on TV yeah, today. No, he really was. No, it was like no, half no. of Benny Hill was like bad music, a girl in a bikini, and then him mugging to the camera in a trench coat, being like, "I'm gonna <laughs> jerk off to this." <laughs> yes. later. And then an old guy. So they had a really old dude that was on yes. the show too with him that would just stand. <laughs> they there would pat on his head, right? He'd pat on his head. Uh, he'd get slapped by women's boobs and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah it's Benny so Hill. it's so That's ridiculous. But yeah, no, Monty Python was. <laughs> that's you should make a movie where Monty Python is an adventurer <laughs> who goes and collects artifacts. Right. Well, you know the, the, that is pretty much what Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was because that movie was so hilarious. Horrible. I had to that leave. I had to leave. I had a so Burger King audition that day. I had to leave bad. the movie early. I never saw. Is the that the, I, was that the one movie? I've only walked out on one film. It was Dracula Dead and Loving It. It was a Mel Brooks <laughs> film. And I got up and I was oh, like, wow. Did you pay three fifty to no, no, see no, that I didn't movie? Pay. Like, Actually, the funny thing, I was working at radio at the time, so it was a free ticket. And it was you were a like, screening. Uh-huh. I want my popcorn and money back. I was just back. like, I can't. I can't do that. Like, you ever, <laughs> it's, 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 it takes a lot to literally be like, I can't. I'm not yeah, going to like, get this I to you. And I mean, that's I Leslie Nielsen and Mel Brooks. And like, yeah. You know you, what I mean? You, like, on you paper, yeah, you're like, yeah, on paper, this can't miss. This is going to be great. Home run, dude. Box office goal. Yeah, I think that was the beginning of Mel Brooks. Everybody at Jerry Lewis had, everybody has their thing where they're like, oh, you're done. You're done. You just, your style. Oh, absolutely, and, and just yeah. and, and also it be- square peg round hole. It, it becomes like uh, 
I don't know. Like I, I like to think that as as new styles of comedy come in, come in and, and go and stuff, you can like some people can ad- uh, adapt and like some people take those in and like yeah, I, I can I can understand this and and his like he, you know Mel Brooks was really his style and what he did early on was perfect. Yeah, it was amazing. And then it didn't really like evolve and then it just kind of becomes like when a dad is like when an uncle like starts telling the telling, same jokes yeah over and over you're just again. like oh well, yeah, I think you yeah, were funny that, when i was that, six but now that pun does not yeah now that i can think anymore. for myself yeah. and it came out around the time that i think sandler was starting to break with his movies as well mm-hmm. as the fairly brothers so things were just changing and it yeah. was right. like and the ridiculous made it look dated yeah. it just made the jokes fall flat yeah. and, and yeah. again and it's like it happens you know mel brooks kind of has this this bell curve of his career too because you look at his for like the 39 steps and you're like what was that or the yeah. well, no it's not 39 steps it was the uh, the chairs what is it the 12 chairs is 12, that what the movie uh yeah. is that not the silent movie i don't know it's, it's 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 like the stuff that he made before he made young frankenstein and blazing saddles <coughs> is like wait, she bet none what? of us have the internet to look this no, up no exactly we could never figure this out if anyone no. knows how to find out brooks's filmography what was mel brooks's first movie if anybody has yeah. a britannica we could look at i mean his best movies though blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein, oh, yeah. you named him. You know, again, yeah. Yeah. hilarious stuff. Oh my yeah. god, yeah. But yeah, so, so and, what, do you guys ever walk out of, out of a movie theater where you're like, I'm not, I'm not committing? <sighs> I'm trying to think. It's I, a big decision to make. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, considering... It's been a long time. I I, I shot a, a movie in Joshua Tree five, six years ago, and when we had a hiatus, <laughs> there was there's like one movie theater in Yucca Valley, California, out in the middle of nowhere. It's like the only theater that like the military base can go to and stuff, and they get like the shittiest movies that you could possibly get, and so we're on hiatus, and we've got two days. We can, we can go see the movie, so we're like, okay, what's playing? Grown Ups? And the A Team. Ooh, the A Team. Okay, well, at least the A Team. The A Team remake. Well, yeah, I didn't think it was the show. Yeah, it was no, but like, but didn't did they make an another A Team movie? Like way back in the in the nineties? No, no, was I no, wrong no, no. thinking that? No. But anyway, like both of those movies, we we were sitting through them. and We were like, we have nothing else to do. And this is air conditioned. Yeah, and both of these are the worst pieces of shit. Oh, the eighteen was. I mean, the eighteen was. At least what they it blew was. something up in eighteen. <laughs> yeah, up, grown right. ups flies out of a helicopter on a tank. Grown ups oh. is again. That's an example of where I think the Sandler things have just kind of like they've moved on from us, right? Well, like Adam like, Sandler has I, completely moved on from us. Sandler's first album. I wore that thing oh out. God. Like I had the so funny, I had it on dude. cassette. So funny. And wore that. Album but don't out. you kind of get mad because I liked. I like Adam Sandler, and I don't yeah. like the fact that people bash him as hard as they do. They're just but they've jealous. already they already went through this phase with Jim Carrey. They did the same yep. thing. They bash these people that they love so much. Totally, and and because it's just they like, stop making the exact thing that they drew them to them in the first yeah. place. Well, no, or they're making the same thing and they just are over it. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what the formula is. You know, if Sandler but, if Sandler wasn't successful in what he's doing now, even if we don't care for it, like. He's making money. Well, and people I didn't watch any of the Netflix stuff. You got to watch it. The whole Netflix thing stuff. is like I haven't no, seen I'm it. I'm going to watch the David Spade yeah. movie for sure. And I watched I watched uh, Ridiculous Six. Um, it was you know it it, it was uh, <laughs> poof. I it was wanna... it was a movie. It was a movie. We'll say it that. We'll movie. say that. <clears throat> um, but what I think about Sandler is like no matter what you like him or hate him, like first of all, if you hate him, that's weird because you, right. you don't know him. There's but, nothing to hate about the guy. But but 
he wins, man. I mean, what yeah. he does now is he, you don't go see Grown Ups, you don't go see Grown Ups too, but who cares? He made those movies, which was basically him and fucking all his friends going, yeah. let's go to a cabin in the woods and, and make a movie. But people and do go see that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Grown Ups and Grown Ups 2. Let's cast a bunch of women well. as our hot wives and yeah. go spend. <laughs> who would never marry us in a thousand years. Aaron Hayes. <clears throat> Is, oh, is she's yeah. grown up. Well, no, no, she's not a grown up. She's in the new sitcom with, oh, with uh, Kevin James. With Kevin James. Yeah. yeah, I auditioned to play his brother. I didn't get it. <laughs> oh, that's so I'm mad at Aaron. Oh. You're, you're mad at Aaron for being <laughs> no, that no, no. Show. You know the guy they did cast. I I know that guy. I've met him a couple of times. He's super. He's super cool. Actually, he played the uh, main father in the fam on the main family on that uh, show about aliens that live next door on ABC. The neighbors. Oh, the neighbors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like it's Italian. Kind of. Oh yeah, Italian, I know. Like, yeah, he's he probably like been Jamie in like a- Gertz's husband. Yes. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I don't know his name, but yeah, I, yeah. I happened to assume that the like the week that show got canceled, I happened to see him at Tinhorn Flats, uh-huh. uh, and I was just in there randomly on a Sunday, and he was in there watching the Yankee game or something, and I was like, I go, hey man, I just want to say I really like that show. I was bummed to go, like, hey, oh thanks a lot, man. He's like, oh you know that's how it is, and like, he was just super upbeat, but just really nice guy. And we just talked for a little while. Does he have a red beard too, or no? No, no, no. We <laughs> so don't look completely anything, different. We don't no, look no. anything alike. Well, yeah, I only I say was... that because you. Uh, a lot of times when you get called in, there's a specific type they're looking sure, for. So sure, yeah, yeah. So That's he doesn't true. have a beard at all. No, oh, okay. no, no. I was amazed at that that neighbors went. Like when I watched the pilot, I was like, "Oh, what are they putting on TV?" <clears throat> yeah. And then as it progressed, they like found their voice. I liked that show, man. And yeah, yeah and it yeah. kind of it, it was like, oh, okay. I guess that was funny. Like when you hear the premise of a show, you're like, eh, it's never gonna go. And then you watch it, and you're like. Oh, okay, they actually had some good commentary about. How do you guys all have to watch? To, oh, you don't have any kids. All the, all the, all the all the aliens names were famous American famous athletes, people, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> Jesse Owens. <laughs> like it was really funny. So you did not walk out of those movies. You sat through them because you had nothing sat else to do. Through them because well, and it was air conditioned, and we were in. I was just Joshua that, Tree in thing. July. Yeah, yeah I, so, I, I was. Nah, I went to yeah. Palm Springs in July once, and yeah. I literally just stood in a Walmart for two hours. Yeah. And, and then, then went, and then went home. Well, yeah, <laughs> dude, there was no relief. I, I've always said that, um, you know, if you live in the desert, you're a little bit different. Than oh, the yeah. Rest yeah. Of us. That, oh, yeah. To live in that heat, because at some point the AC can only, the AC just can't handle it. can it. only do so much. No, unless you have the industrial like Walmart size types of places where. Yeah. I would, that's what I would have. To cool. Your house, trailer your house just at. gives up at some point. Like, I, can, I can barely survive in LA weather sometimes. Yeah. Like I still have that thick Wisconsin blood. Yeah. So when it gets over 72 degrees, I'm like, oh, it's hot. It's hot. Oh, yeah. I got, I'm very sweaty. You know. And then the beach. The people by the beach, I love the beach, but the people that, that live by the beach, they're a little bit out there too. Which is, yeah. again, it's, all, it's cultural. <laughs> Dude, That's how, beach, it's, I'll put it that lifestyle. way. I'm not looking yeah. for any fights. <laughs> yeah, beach exactly. lifestyle. Though yeah. I, would, I would say if there was somebody who was more eager to fight, it would be someone who's in dying the in the sun. Yeah, the, <clears throat> yeah a right. desert fighter, I think. So the beach fighters would be like, well, we just you know just, throw their flip-flop at you. But they're I mean, a little less high strung there at yeah, the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, you walked exactly. out of any movies? I don't think I've walked out of any okay, movie. You're man. committed. I've, you're fully committed. That's I, I good for the marriage. I feel that once I it's pay... It's really good for the marriage. Once Both I pay guys. the money, no yeah, matter what it is... You're going to make good husbands. Walk, walking out of the movies. Um, you're willing yeah. to stick it through. Yeah, I, <laughs> I figure, you know... like To me, though, I do the same thing. When I start watching a bad movie on cable or on TV, I'll be like, well, I've watched it this far. i got to see what right. shitty ending they staple on this thing, you know? And and I'll, I'll follow it through. And my big thing is like... Um, this was more so when I was single, but like I would be hung over or after like a weekend of just being a dirtbag i would just be on a couch and just like flipping channels and i would hit like every bad romantic comedy and i would watch like three or four in a row and i'd be like oh my god this movie's terrible like and i would call out the plot as like i would oh and then she's gonna fall for him and then that and i would just yeah. without reading the information i'd be like i'm a genius yeah. and then i would pass out for another have you seen uh, they came together 
the uh, David Wayne movie that makes fun of all of the oh. romantic comedy tropes. It's oh, is that brilliant. with uh, Paul it's Rudd, Paul Rudd and, and Amy Poehler? Poehler. Yeah. Ugh. No, I haven't seen that it's one so yet. so funny. Like, they, they just do a great job of, like, all those typical, terrible romantic comedy yeah. tropes. It's in and, there. And, you know, the, the dumb montages, and it's just like, it. They, they turn it on its head, and it's just, yeah. like... I like, like both those. I like David Wayne. I like uh, I like all those people involved. So I should see that. Yeah, but that seems a little more uh, uh, highbrow than say <laughs> what, how to lose a song? guy in ten days. Oh, or, well, God. that's a, the, the same people that would love that stuff wouldn't get that movie because they no. don't, they don't like the fact that it's throwing their face like that. No. That's why the movie was kind of more of a off to the side, left to center. Like it, it shows up on an Amazon or a Netflix. And you yeah. go, oh, what is this? Exactly. And you just, and you sounds go, like oh, a porno. Wait, they what? came. Together. They came together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is. And it totally uh, do they is. even make those? What, what's the point of making in, in the world of uh, like porn, actual? Hold, like hold actual... on one sec. Um, if if uh, John's parents and my parents could please just tune this off for about the next uh, two minutes. What I don't understand about my, my parents can. Still what is listen. the point? <laughs> Brad's parents are going to turn it up. <laughs> what is the point of making? A storyline and point with the way things are on the internet. The again, way things are on the internet, I, I don't understand what the what's pointless. To, well, I don't think it's pointless. Like I will say that I do believe that there are still people who do collect pornography. I'm not one of those people. I'm just saying they make these movies still because there is, it's a much smaller need, but people are still getting. You mean into one it. with a yeah. story? Yeah, but but usually what the stories are now parodies. There's well, no, I, there's a, there's a whole industry behind like porn parodies of well, popular yeah, movies, now. right? But also they'll take like you know Pirates of the Caribbean. It wasn't necessarily a parody, but my friend wrote the first three Pirates movies that were done by Vivid Video. Oh, I, I thought, thought you said the real ones. No, 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 <laughs> the, the pornos. But like, but he wrote like he put in like he st- literally researched how pirates talked. He did all this research. He wrote this like the story really? itself is a fine story. In between uh-huh. all this stuff is sex. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, so we went to the premiere of the first pirates movie at the Egyptian theater, and it was weird because I hadn't watched porno with like in a full theater it wasn't full <laughs> but it was all the women in the movie were in, in the lobby smoking cigarettes and i shit you not they were inside smoking cigarettes because i went out there to get wow. something to drink because after a while you're just like sitting with like it was me and a space and my friend and a space and another friend and like <laughs> so we're all like uh this is kind of weird yeah but then like you know you meet the actors afterwards and like the dudes were <laughs> So funny. Like I don't know if you know Evan Stone, the long-haired guy from back in the day, but like I don't. he was he played a pirate hunter in this movie and he was dressed like as his character at the premiere. So I, I went up to him and I was just like, "Man, hey, dude, you were great in that movie." He goes, "Hey, you think so? Thanks, buddy." And he grabs me and he's like, "All right." And then another guy wearing a suit I was like, "Hey, you're really good." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I was like, it's like oh. well, "Well, we didn't tell you it was when he hugged you. It's still the actual costume that still had his cum <laughs> yeah, all over." Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was just like, he's yep. like, "Here you go, buddy." Oh yeah, <laughs> that would not have shocked me. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess there is a market for those things. But, but like I said, much smaller, and you're, it's kind of like a waste of money. Because- right, welcome yeah. back to our parents. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> you grew, so you grew, anyway, mom. So yeah. you grew up in Wisconsin. I grew up in Wisconsin. For I how was long? Born and raised in Wausau, Wisconsin. Lived in the same house until I was eighteen. Okay, so the first and eighteen years of your life, you were first in eighteen years, okay. and then uh, went to Northwestern and went to school in Chicago, and then stayed in Chicago for six years after school, and then moved out here in 2007. Okay, so oh, did wow. you change all yeah. of your sports allegiances, or did you hold on to the Packers? You know what? Because I, I, that's really the one, right? I that's... changed them, but I didn't really change them because I didn't. I, there, there wasn't a deep root 
as far as stuff goes. Like my dad and my whole family are Packer fans, yeah. and like they've they've been Packer fans, but I never really like sat down and watched a Packer game. Like I caught s- snippets of it right. as we went on. Um, the the one thing is like I've never been a huge baseball guy, but if I were to hang on to any baseball allegiance, it would be the Brewers, just because we went to Brewers games every single summer. Was that County but, like, Stadium? Was that that was the, the old stadium old guy? Milwaukee County Stadium, the and, old half barrel? Yeah, that's basically oh, it was what it so looked great. Like. It was so great. So then and like you know, we never followed the Bucks because you know they were terrible, and the Bulls were right there. Who were the Bucks? <laughs> the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Come on. So, yeah. So, I'm Bears fan, Blackhawks fan. Like I said, I'm not a huge basketball or baseball guy, but I'll sit down and I'll watch a Bulls game or I'll watch a Cubs game. Oh, okay. You know? So, but, so yeah. So, that makes sense then. It's yeah. Like, and people always give me, you know, shit. They're, well, just like, yeah, they're, you, like, they're like, how can you be a Bears fan? I mean, come on, Fairweather fan. It's like, have you seen the Chicago Bears play football? Yeah. There is nothing yeah, Fairweather about that. Yeah, they suck. They are garbage. Now, they do you have terrible. a Rex Grossman jersey i don't but i do have a cade mcdown jersey so no i don't have <laughs> <laughs> last quarterback to take the bears close. to the super bowl yeah he didn't take yeah. them there actually that would be no Kyle he, he rode the, the defense's coattails <laughs> and then just the have a season and, uh, and then popped in yeah. and they lost that game like, so who cares i would rather have a shane matthews jersey <laughs> than a rex grossman jersey dude i want to get a number six jersey that says butler uh. remember kevin butler the kicker yeah he yeah. won number six it was fun yeah he was fun he chewed tobacco he had one bar no he had two no, he yeah. did. He he wore one for did, yeah. For it was while. right before where they're like, all right, none of that stuff. Anymore. Yeah, now yeah. You can, when you can get punched square in the face because your helmet does nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah God, it's it's that, so. it's so ridiculous. So yeah, what was so. so I you know um you're the first uh, Wassonite, Wassawanite, Wassawanite. Yeah, um, famous for the paper and the insurance. The Wassa, <laughs> the uh, Wassa paper, three eyed fish. Did you? Yeah, exactly. In the river, Linky. Um, what was it like growing up? I know you talked about the Hmong uh, yeah, population and stuff I, like, like that, but in I loved it. To... Like, it was it was great because I mean we all kind of had the same. We're of the generation that had that same childhood where it was just like you'd get home from school and then you'd disappear yeah. until dinner. You know, so it was just like we were off in the neighborhood or in the woods or down by the river where there was no embankment. It was just like, well, there's a rushing river, so if yeah. you fall on that, you're gonna die. <laughs> you know, and it's just like just. Out in the woods, lighting fires and, you know, just doing stupid kid crap. But then yeah. it's like by the time I hit 15, I was like, I need some culture. I need some intellectual stimulation. Here. Interesting. You really were like, yeah, this isn't this isn't necessarily doing. Yeah, it, for me. it was like it was a wonderful place to grow up. Like if, if I would raise a family there in a heartbeat. But as an adult, I was like, I can't I can't do this because it was like the, the most culture there was like the Leaki Woodson Art Museum, which had a very nice collection of bird paintings. Ooh. Yes, very. That's yeah, because you're hours collection. away from stuff so it's not yeah. it's, it's, it's it's a like, day trip and then something it's like goes two and a something. half hours yeah. north of madison yeah. five hours north of chicago like i'm lucky that the public school system in wasa at the time i don't know what it's like now was fantastic so we took field trips to minneapolis we saw plays at the guthrie in minneapolis oh, wow. and we went That's to cool. the art institute in chicago and it's like when we <clears> did <throat> forensic state for like play acting and stuff we would go to madison and so it's like I knew what other cities were like, and I had family in Chicago. Like my uncle and aunt and cousins lived in Chicago, so we would go visit them once a year. So it's like, by the time I got old enough, it was like, well, this is I want to be here. Yeah. And what um, uh, what brought your family to uh, Northern Wisconsin in the first place? 
you know what? I, I they, they've kind of always been there. Always like been it's, there. It's all, been, okay. Yeah, my they grew from the earth. They grew what did your parents do for a living? My my dad was a corrections officer. He's a probation oh, and okay. pro- probation yeah. and parole officer. Yeah. Um, and my mom worked in healthcare. Okay. So she was both a, of those things make sense up yeah. there. That's totally funny. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So she was a nurse for a while and then worked uh, in the office and in HR and all that sort of stuff. And okay. Got her communications degree and and all that. And they're stuff, they're so. they're. Second generation, third generation. Yeah, well, it's like my my mom grew up in Cicero. Ah, and, Cicero. And, or in Broadview, and my grandfather grew up, who came up in Cicero, and she grew up in Broadview outside of Chicago. Hence, that's how the family split up. Okay, yeah, and that well, that's actually that's that's totally different. Like the family that lives there is on my dad's side. They like my uncle moved to Chicago in '76 from my dad's side because my dad has five brothers and sisters. Okay, and then uh, my mom has two sisters. So it's like when my mom was a senior in high school. My grandfather moved the family from Broadview and Cicero to Lady Smith, Wisconsin, mm. up in the middle of nowhere. Sounds sexy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lady Blacksmith. Yeah. And, and my dad was in a small town called Hawkins, which was so small that they shut down the high school and had to bust the Hawkins kids the, to the Hawkins ladies. kid. There the wasn't Hawkins there, kid. There, there, the there, one there, kid. There, the one kid. We're gonna shut this down had, because had to, it seems a little, yeah. little waste for one kid yeah. to come here. And had to bust them to Ladysmith, and that's my parents went in high school. Oh, so okay. like that's how Ooh, that happened. Well, look at so, that. Now, yeah, okay, so here you are. So you're out here now, and yeah. um, I mean, it's it's a stretch for any of us to make it this way. But at what yeah. point did you? Become like like everything we mm-hmm. see stuff on television or whatever, and we right. become fascinated with it. But then there's the whole connecting with it, and then continuing to pursue yeah. that. So, well, the, when the did that initial the initial connection it's it this is this is another thing we can talk about that that sucks is that the the initial connection for me to the entertainment business was Bill Cosby. Oh, uh, yeah, so, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So my dad is still mad, and it's yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. I feel like he's mad at two things: Bill Cosby and the fucking VCR he paid five fifty four <laughs> when they first came out. Yeah, because it was brand new. He's not getting rid yeah. of the VCR, but he's gotten rid of Bill Bill Cosby right. in his heart. So but you, continue. So you, you like when when someone like that has such an effect on how you've developed your sensibilities like comedically and you know to be an actor and all that stuff and like when you find out that they're a horrible monster (sighs) like what what do you do like i was you just i was so i was so conflicted but it's like well do i tell people that like Bill Cosby was an inspiration to me. It's like, well, no, his work was an inspiration. It's yeah, yeah, it's not like you were yeah. shadowing the man himself. And <laughs> no. you're like, yeah, he wore robes and sucked on toes and pulled his dick yeah, out when he shouldn't. Exactly. It's Terrible. A big deal. So it's like my my dad had a cassette of Bill Cosby's uh, for Russell, my brother, with whom, whom I, I slept. Yeah, slept with the and, best. And dude. I listened to that. I memorized it. To the point where, in like second grade, I want to be. I was like, I want to be a stand-up comedian. Okay. That's what I want to do. That was grade. the one where he's talking about the man coming in the room and spilling the water on the bed, and his uh-huh. dad is like, "You go, you're gonna you're burn gonna... in hell if you go. Uh-huh. You better tell me what happened." And they're like, "Okay, we'll tell you." He's like, "Tell me what happened." He's like, "The man <laughs> came, came in, in and spilled the water all over." Honest to goodness, yeah, um, dude, that was such a good. <laughs> Good yeah. fucking album. God yeah, like damn his, it. His eyeball popped out. Like, yeah. It just, it's so. I had you once so in the eye, and your eyeball popped out. <laughs> yeah. So I loved that. And so, so memorize that. And that was sort of my focus through grade school. And then I did in grade school. I like had, how your focus in grade school was stand up comedy. Yeah, no, like, that's what I was, I'm going to need some stage no, time from you motherfuckers. Yeah. Cause it was like, it was like, okay, well, I'm the little fat kid and I know I can make people laugh by running into stuff. Yeah. Like, Cause I've you seen know. that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it was like, okay. Uh, Brad, well, th- can you stop wearing plaid dress coats? <laughs> school? We, we get it. We get what you want to do. Yeah. Put take the, my put, wife. Put please. the sleeves down. Put the sleeves down on yeah. your sport coat. <laughs> 
he's just watching the uh, just, evening at the I, improv. He's watching like, Caroline's comedy hour. And going, Here we go. Brad's dressing like Paula Poundstone all of a sudden. That's weird. <laughs> You can stop doing the who knew pose, please. <laughs> Guys, every picture. Hey, yeah. what is the deal yeah, with school yeah. pictures? <laughs> you try to comb your hair one way, it goes the other way. <laughs> yeah, it's just ridiculous. And then uh, I was also obsessed with video games. So it was like for Ooh. for a long time, it was it was stand-up comedy. It was like, oh, yeah, Bill Cosby. I know what this guy's doing. Comedy, comedy, comedy. Love it. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, I want to design video games. Oh, it was like the design Super, them. Yeah, when Super Nintendo came out, like I wrote a letter to Nintendo. It was like, here's how you can improve SimCity. Ah, yes. You and, know? and what was their response? Oh, they sent me a very kind letter back being like, little boy, this takes a long Cram time. Ram it in your dick hole, <laughs> Junior. We <laughs> don't give a fuck. They, they didn't really reply to you, did they? Yeah, they sent me a very nice like form letter, but just like, yeah, yeah, we, like to every response to every... Like, no, little, I'm just shocked kids. they even bothered. Like, yeah, you know, I like mean, little kids. I I think, yeah. but that's nope. the equivalent of like tweeting back at somebody yeah. back then. It's like when you when somebody is like, especially when they know it's like, okay, this is cute. This kid loves yeah. our game, but he thinks there can be improvements. Mm-hmm. He's nine. Fuck this kid. But yeah. we can still send him a nice little letter. So he goes, uh, Nintendo wrote back. I mean, did you <laughs> take that to school? Like, <clears throat> they liked my ideas. And, and Nintendo Just can't says utilize them right that now. It was like, I think that we should build churches, and this thing is like, yeah. <laughs> so. So that like so that was my obsession for about three years there, and then I I, I hit high school and kind of discovered uh, acting a little bit. So I was in a okay. couple of plays and and seemed to do well at it. My Your parents, best role. Your best my, role. My my best role was like zombie number four in eighth grade. No, it was terrible. <laughs> um, uh, I actually I played Atticus Finch in college, Ooh. and like I I think that's the I'm okay. The most, so you just, uh, so there, one, there was no good role in high school, is what you're saying? No, you, well in high you school, skipped right to college. In, all, in high school, in high school, I did. Uh, what was your showstopper? What was the one that the ne- Mookie McGuggins okay. in? Um, no, it was not in the racist in, play. The, the racist play. No, what was the name of? Oh no, Moonface Martin and anything goes. All that's right, what it was. So I just I got I got to ask. So <laughs> we'll look back no, at high school and laugh. Bring it in. So you do the role. Do the role. You're believing you're, in your mind. You're crushing this, right? Oh, you, yeah. you feel the energy, you're right? You're an actor. You're next, an actor. Next day at school, were you expecting a lot of adulation as you walked down the hall? And be honest, were you expecting a lot of people like, I, there he is? No, not at, not at all. Fun guns on this one. <laughs> not, not at all. <laughs> because guy. Because my high school was one of those places where it was like, they forced us to go to the school play. <laughs> So you oh. never lived under the delusion. That, oh God, uh, okay, no! Okay. Oh God, were no. you were you uh, were you afraid like to get popular? beat up? Were you were you popular? I mean, I was I was one of those guys that was like I wasn't a, a complete dork, but I still had like those nerd tendencies. But I, I sort of bridged the gap because I was also in like the smart classes with the smart kids. So that doesn't help, does it? No, it doesn't. Oh. <laughs> um, so you wore a lot like, of turtlenecks, or I wore a lot of turtlenecks. No, like I wasn't the, the typical theater kid. I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't do any of that stuff. I, I like, I wasn't popular, but I also wasn't an outcast. Right. You know, right. I was just kind of like mid tier. Were you a bigger guy? I was like, I slimmed up in high school. Okay, where it's like I you got grew I got, a little. Yeah, I got super skinny in high school, okay. and was fine. Was then then it was no like, sports. You're not a sports guy, right? No, I okay. played. I played like. You know, flag football and, oh, okay. and basketball in middle school. Flag was basketball, like, yeah. Very no, I'm, I'm, I played play flag basketball, <laughs> flag soccer. <laughs> those are one of those lesser known oh, northern yeah. Wisconsin. Yes. Yeah, yeah you wouldn't get it if you weren't from Wausau. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
but I'm I'm terrible at sports. Like okay. I think I have a sports disability. Like it just like there's no mental acuity when it comes to sports. But like, did your par- if like did if your- you and I went out right now and played a horse, like you would beat a horse like that. I'd be like, I'm on H. Here we go. Like I'm I'm really it's like bad me and at pool it. at a bar when I'm playing pool. It, like takes an hour and a half. Yeah, so Northwestern really though. Yeah. Okay, that's expensive. So obviously is, we now know you did not go on a football co- scholarship. Uh, no, I actually I Flying went basketball uh, I went on uh, an academic scholarship. Because oh, I was I was right. in like the IB classes, which is like similar to AP. It's like international baccalaureate. And inner I, bowels. Inner bowels. IBS. I oh, went to okay. IBS classes. So they felt I, took, bad for I you. took a lot of IBS classes, and they were like, "This kid is shitting during history <laughs> class. Right. We Discount. have to like yeah. send him to school." So yeah, so I lucked out that I I was able to get some. And this is aid. and and this is you burn you know spinning the tires, going, "This is my chance." To yeah, you yeah. you you did you chose Northwestern because it was yeah, Chicago. I, I chose Northwestern because it was Chicago. I yeah. like I only applied to like five schools. I applied to Emerson in Boston. I applied to Northwestern. I applied to um, Drake in Iowa. The Des rapper. Moines. To, I applied yeah. to Drake. Hey, can I yeah. come over? I was uh, like, hey, that was, um, just, that was so just another like, letter. Can I? Yeah. I, I wrote like, yeah. Drake a letter. Like, you want to hang out, man? I've, I've heard about this hotline bling thing <laughs> that you've got, and I'm interested. And let me just pitch <laughs> you flag basketball. Yeah, exactly. How old is Drake? I feel like when I was applying for college, he was Drake was fetus. probably like four years old. Yeah, exactly. Probably something like that. So you go to Northwestern. So, so went to Northwestern, which like wasn't my first choice. I wanted to go to Emerson in Boston because it was more of a conservatory school. I think that would got into the school. You. Yeah, it you totally have a would've. look like you could easily if you just passed him on the street, right? You'd be like, I bet that's an angry dude from Boston. Yeah, like I'm so glad that I didn't go there like yeah. that was one of those sort of fate things where it's like oh god i'm so glad that i didn't go yeah. there i'm so glad i ended up in chicago and good bread hunting yeah and what was your so what was your experience like in northwestern in respects to when did things start going in a direction that you were excited about well at northwestern so like the great thing about it is that it's 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 got a conservatory sort of feel but mm. also they want you to get a full liberal arts education mm-hmm. so it's like they want you to be well rounded in right. in the department like there's not an audition to get into the program like the, and it's still like number 2 behind Juilliard right now okay. like it's it's a crazy good theater program but they want you to make sure that it's like you're not just going here to learn how to act. You're l- coming here to learn how to be a human being. Yeah, because yeah, you they know? also understand that 95 percent of the people need to get another job at some point. Yeah. so you better have your I mean, exactly. yeah. like like the good good thing. <laughs> 98 yeah. percent. You yeah. still yeah. need to understand the real world. You need to know how to like. Live. You don't have to know how to do your taxes, but you have to understand that they have to be done. Yeah, at taxes some point. need to yeah. get. You need to hire someone to do them. Just yeah. don't end up being that guy that I saw driving around here once with a license plate that says "Doing Business." And it was a Jesus 1982 Christ. Honda Civic. And I was well, like, no, what, you haven't no. been. What business are you yeah. doing, dude? <laughs> Just no. Driving around a shitbox? No That's business. business. No, no business. No, no, bit, bitness. Bit, Come bitness. On, get it, get it right. doing bits. Oh, he's doing <laughs> bitness. Well, that was a bit he was doing. Put yeah. that license plate on a car. He was doing bits right there. <laughs> and this was about what years were you at Northwestern? I uh, I went there ninety seven to two thousand one. Okay. So I uh, so yeah, they've got a, a great theater program, and then mm-hmm. they've also got a lot of student productions. So I went and I auditioned for like the typical student productions when I was a freshman or and a sophomore, and and got a couple of good decent roles that I felt really solid about. And then I worked for the theater department, mm-hmm. so all the directors and professors got to know me. So as I was auditioning for 
the actual Northwestern productions, like the main stage productions, they were like, well, this kid knows what he's doing and he's not an asshole. Right. So, which is a huge, yeah, which, which you, this. you find even today oh is something God. like, kind of know what you look like, you know what you're doing, don't be a prick about yeah, it. Yeah. And then, exactly. Yeah. Like, and, I, and I learned there, it's like, oh, look, if you're nice to people, you'll get rewarded. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, <laughs> so I, I did a couple of main stage productions at Northwestern and, and felt like I was kind of at the, the upper echelon when I, when I got out of there. But I had a professor tell me my senior year before I graduated, it was like, you know what you're doing. You're not going to work until you're 40 or 40, 40, 40. Pep talk. He's uh, like, but, he was uh, like your, your Pete Carroll of yeah, um Yeah, exactly. Of USC. So, it was like, so do, can you do me a favor? Yeah. Can you just throw us one line of Atticus Finch? Or, oh, one. Give, give just something. Just, one of the ones. Just, just bring it out of you. Really? I was like, well, Scout, the way you look at things is all on your point of view. You know, that's... <laughs> that was... <laughs> guys, I felt Gregory Peck. <laughs> yeah. See? This is good. So, and that's yeah. what you knew right there. Yeah, that's where it was like, because in that, in that play, there's like when he gives his closing arguments, it's like a four or five a, page monologue. Yeah. So it was were just you nervous like, and shit. I was like, or were you the first, did you Did you build up a level of arrogance? I, you know what? I never, not a bad arrogance. But I never say. really got stage fright. Like, okay. I've never been one of those stage fright people. Yeah, it's but memorization like, is still its own oh, separate still, skill. It's, it's totally a. Absolutely hard. So the first time I did it, luckily it was it was to just the cast. So it's like, okay, here we go. You're like line, line, yeah, line, yeah, yeah. line, line. Yeah, and we did it. <laughs> and we did it at uh, the Barber Theater in Chicago, which is uh, three quarter stage. Okay. So I had to play to this amphitheater. Yeah. Of this four or five page monologue, and it was it was the first time I did it. About halfway through, that I was like. I got him. <laughs> <laughs> so you were doing them. A lot of people don't yeah. understand this because it's the same thing with with stand up. You can have multiple thoughts in your head while you're actually uh-huh. doing something else out of your mouth. Like yeah, a lot right. of people don't. They think there's just like a one track mind, but you are very hyper aware of so many. Oh, other things. it's that are almost absolutely. like you become. It's almost like a superpower once you're talking to people. Is that like yeah. you're like okay, they're not listening at all, or I got this. Yeah. Or, oh my god, what the fuck is my next joke? Yeah, or, and, and you're not missing totally. a beat noticing that. No, not at all. St- you're still going. Yeah, people like you can have the most chaotic experience in your own mind and everyone else is like dip you look really calm up there that was great like wow cool yeah it's really the art of fooling everyone yeah yeah so that that was that was sort of the the moment where i was like i think i could probably do this okay as a job you know so and i play atticus finch for the rest of your life (laughs) for the rest of my birthday parties yeah little would i know that 15 years later harper lee would be like oh by the way he's a super racist (laughs) that's right terrible that's right yeah so then when i got out of school i was like oh well the jobs are just gonna roll people saw that play they're gonna hire me immediately let's let's, so uh how many years four years four years yeah okay so four you did four years yeah where'd you go uh anybody else with you at that time that 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 left and either went to new york or la that that became successful that kind of gave a benchmark for you during your time that was Uh, not there not really like Zoe Deschanel was there, but she came in the year after me, and she came for like one semester and okay. then was gone. I'm famous like, already. Well, yeah, Goodbye. It was like, you say after like, you, meaning like not doing like literally after you were done there. No, she came in like the the year like when I was a sophomore. She uh, came uh, in as a freshman uh, okay. and then okay. was gone. Um, my class, there's been some success, but it's actually the class beneath me that's had a lot of people like 
like Claire Coffey was on, you know, Grimm for a while. She did that, and like Matt McKenna wrote for uh, American Dad forever. And Matt McKenna, you yeah. uh, you went to college with Matt McKenna? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. and these are well, people that you kind of keep in touch with, or are these just people that you know? From no, the I just you know, I just know them from from school, and it's just like you know, we are friends on Facebook. And well, stuff, all right, so, so you don't like, necessarily have like the, the 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 benchmark or the bars or people that you that you were with that, yeah. that went. So how do you end up? At some point, you're in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Are you making a decision? Do I stay in Chicago for a while? I want to go to L.A. I want to go to New York. Well, I when I got out, I was like, I want to stay in Chicago because I know that there's a, a thriving theater scene here. And, and that Cubs. was... And the Cubs. And the Cubs, okay. and the Cubs okay. of course. So okay. it was like, okay, well, I'll get a commercial agent because that's how you can make some money. Yeah. And and I will you know try to do theater. And then I quickly realized, like, oh, you can't make money doing theater really ever. Anywhere. Until you're at like all. Dustin Hoffman or yeah, somebody. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I was living in a house the year after college at the time with like me. It was like me and five women because they were like, <laughs> they were like, we're going to get a house together. But we feel like if we get another woman in here, we're going to murder each other. Oh, so dude. you're the most non-threatening <laughs> guy we know. Yeah. <laughs> so women women, women living together is, is wow, man. Yeah, that so, can get violent. Yeah. So they, they were like, come on in. So one of the or, or two of them were like, oh, we signed up for the Second City Conservatory here program. Here it comes. Here we go. And we're going to go audition for that. Tomorrow, and I was like, "Those women were Tina Fey yeah. and Amy Poehler." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, can I come?" Like, I was just like, "Yeah, oh, that, well, that sounds sound, fun. That sounds I'll, great, right?" I'll go. And I had done some improv in high school. Was in like this weird improv troupe. So all those years in Northwestern, on yeah. stage. All those years in Northwestern, you didn't even know this stuff existed. You were just in that, I knew it. I knew it existed, uh, but okay. like, I and there was there's a, a a popular improv group at Northwestern called the Meow Show, which a lot of like famous people have have come out of. Like, so you were Julia Louis Dreyfus okay. and folks have come out of that. So I knew that, the, and I had auditioned for them the, my first couple of years, and I didn't get in. Okay, and then after that, it was like, well, I'm getting main stage shows. I was going like, to say, I don't have your time. focus was more yeah. serious acting. Exactly. So it was yeah. like, well, I don't have. I'm getting into main stage shows. I don't have time for this. So right, it's you like, fun improv games. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm and, acting and who over know, here. Who, kno- who knows if I would have gotten in? You know, my right. junior and senior year, anyway, because the people I got in, were, I mean, they were hilarious. You know, right, but you like, again, yeah. you don't know. You never... yeah, it's like Heather Campbell. I don't know if you know her. She's the name is super yeah, familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like her and McKenna directed it and stuff like that. So nice. it was like at the time, you know, there were some heavy hitters in there. Yeah, cool. So, um, so you yeah, go on the, you go, you go there. You go, you go. Yeah, you do your thing. So I did. Then I did Second City and got into the training program and, and met a bunch of people that I you know still are huge friends with today. And it's like that's that's kind of where I got my comedy start with doing the improv at Second City and went through the training center there and and then got out and got on a house team at the Playground Theater, which is an improv theater in uh, in Chicago. That's like a, a co op that was the alternate to I O and uh, and Second City there. So right. I was performing improv like once a week there. And doing commercials, and somebody was like, "You know, you you got a pretty good voice. You should you should look into the voiceover stuff." And I was like, "Yeah, the yeah, secret world that no one really thinks yeah. about." But but that once it's hard to get in. I mean, oh, it's so that's like hard getting to into get the in. fucking mafia, man. It really is. So like, luckily, I I just I looked up a producer in Chicago out of nowhere. This woman named Mindy Verson, who pr- still produces a ton of uh, demos and commercials in Chicago. And we sat down, and we ended up having like a two hour conversation, just kind of bullshitting. And she was like, "You know what?" I like you. I'm going to produce your demo. Like, of course, I had to pay up the ass for the demo because voiceover demos are not cheap. No. Okay, let, here, here's the thing. Yeah. Nothing is you. You realize, yeah. from headshots to classes, to all the things that they tell you, the the agents and managers will tell you. There's always going to be this huge upfront expense. Oh my god! For some of the most impoverished people, in it the is world. the most expensive 
like if you looked at acting as a career as an investment property oh, be like oh my god that's a that terrible is a, idea that is a money pit that is a sinkhole you throw it all in and there's no guarantee like, in the end you could yeah, just be fucked like, exactly what? and like and it never stops you yeah. never get to the point where it's like well these are the pictures i'm gonna have for the rest <laughs> no. of my life nope two weeks later your <laughs> you know, agent manager's like, like dude you need new photos you're like a psycho in this like, yeah <laughs> and it's like i i just redid my commercial like i've done you know 40 50 commercials like voiceovers and was like well you need to redo your commercial demo because you know you're not not working in this thing and things have changed but now you put on the commercials you've done yeah yeah, yeah, you're not going into a studio, but back then you were going into a studio recording, just, just blind, like, just like they like reading fake copy. Totally. That's like, hi, this is try Wheaties. It's yeah. whole wheat throughout the land. Exactly, I'm Brad. Yeah, so like I'm that's <laughs> like always say your it. name at the end. Yeah, that's the way you always <laughs> Kellogg's. <do it>. I'm Brad. <laughs> Thank you, Brad. So if you listen very carefully Next. to most, people, yeah, it's like. Thank you for coming that's in. That's your signature. You're like, oh, I say my name at the one at the end of all my... Brad here. No, no, that's, it doesn't say that anywhere in the beginning Hi, of this. This is Brad for Camel Cigarettes. Brad, this is Apples. Don't say your name. You have to stop. Well, I'm oh, actually wow. known for being third person. Um, yeah. It's like Brad. Brad loves. hates Apples. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Hi, Brad. I'm Brad for Brad Script Brads. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, no, you'd have to be like I don't know if anyone remembers Brad's like yeah, those metal you things. The metal, you'd, metal things that was like scripts. as yeah. a PA like okay, run off a thousand copies of this script. <laughs> By the way, you're gonna have to Brad it all, each one, and then as soon as you're done with the last one, we're gonna come in and go. There's a rewrite on page yeah. thirteen. Throw all of those yeah. away and, and start again. And here are the goldenrod pages that yeah. you have to put in the middle. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'll make sure that these pages are this color. Like I'm gonna murder somebody. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And then so. drive all the way across town to deliver it to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. These I know people you don't have it any at money. their house yeah, tonight. Like, like, huh? I know you have no money or a credit card. Yeah, and hopefully like, your ga- you won't run out of gas. Stop the padding your mileage sheet. We see what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. production is Drive fun. your 92 Cavalier across <laughs> yeah. town. Doing bitness. It will yeah. be. <laughs> Maybe that guy was delivering scripts. That was his business. Yeah, so that's you go what through was. this. You, you invest so, all this money yeah, in, this, in, and, and, and with time. like without not knowing what's gonna happen. And this was like at the time it was like twenty five hundred dollars, which Oof, I was dude. like, and I was working as a, a bartender. Oh so yeah, it was like, well, whatever. You're right out of college. I don't give a shit if you're yeah. working on Wall Street. That's a and lot that of money. was and that was at the time. I don't know if it's still that way in Chicago, but like the hourly was like a dollar forty seven or something mm, like that. Good wages, you know, it's crazy because they were like, well, oh, you're gonna make tips, so it's fine. <laughs> now split those tips five ways like oh, <laughs> yeah that's happening yeah now exactly. call your parents and beg for money <laughs> yeah so that at that time at the time it was pretty much like all the money i had it was like all right here you go take take they take my money and uh and she got me an agent and and the my agent debbie Cotson in chicago who's still my agent is okay. amazing and uh wow and i booked a ata airlines campaign very shortly after that, which ATA Airlines out of Indianapolis no longer exists. Yeah. But it's okay, but your commercials it. out there somewhere. But the, but the commercial was it was when Greg Maddox came back to the Cubs. Boom! I remember those years. And, well. and the commercials was like a letter writing campaign. Campaign. It was like, dear Greg Maddox, we at ATA are happy that you've decided to come back to Chicago now for flights. Blah 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 blah. And I did like eight or nine of them, and it was like. I'm in. Let's yeah. do this thing. And they pay pretty well, right? I mean, well, yeah. I mean, well, commercials back then paid a lot better than they do now. Yeah, right? it used to be, but but yeah. you forgot you made that money back right away. Oh yeah, you were like hello. So, no, so it was Great like investment. it was like I got my I got my twenty five hundred dollars back. Paid SAG and after I didn't I was I wasn't even must join, but I was like take it. Yeah, I got let's it. go. I'm in. Have it. 
So it was like I before, like long before the merger, before they raised all the rates on SAG and after I was like, I'm in, let's do it. So I was I was SAG in 2004, you know, and I've been in SAG ever since just because of that. Yeah. How quickly commercial. did you receive the letter from the DMV that Voice Guy was already taken as a license plate? <laughs> Voice, Voice Guy one. Voice Guy one. Yeah. Voice Guy forty seven. Pretty yeah. much probably the best in the business. So if yeah. I could just get hey, that was, license was the plate, best, that would be best in the bitness. There we go. <laughs> Voice Guy bitness. Doing, Voice Guy bitness. Do, doing voice bitness. <laughs> That's great though. Yeah. So you could use that money to then, and you didn't quit bartending. Obviously. No, so I was bartending, and then I I got like a temp job, and I worked for the American Cancer Society for like five years. And you that was uh, just giving people that cancer. Was, was that? that was I was just I was distributing cancer right. to yeah. people Even in the greater right. Chicago land area. Perfect. Okay. So that was nice because they were they were cool and they let me go on auditions during lunch. That's key. So man. A, like a business that that'll the, be flexible yeah. with you as as an actor. And I think a lot be. of people don't know this, but Chicago is also a hub for the commercial business because there are a lot of major. Um, companies that are oh, yeah, based like out of Chicago, Leo that, Burnett, yeah, yeah, huge. So it's not, it's not like they're. I mean, this is a place where you can get, you yeah. can make a living, you, you can get your foot in. They are, they do some production there, um, not tons. Yeah. Some movies, some television shows. Well, when I was there, there was some, like early edition was the thing that everybody was trying to get on because that was that was the one show that was in production. It was like Oprah Studios and, ah. <laughs> and, and Oprah Early was Edition. also and based Oprah, there, yeah. yeah. So, but but yeah. I mean, from a voice standpoint, it, it's not a bad place to be. No, it was Chicago, great. I, even I local actually, stuff, it's still Chicago. Right, yeah. and I, I did really well there. Like I was, I was making a pretty good living. Like I still had this day job because I was hedging my bets because I knew how... Because you're also... Yeah, that's smart though. And it man. was, and and it it was it, flexible. So it was flexible like, well, there's no reason for me to quit. Yeah. I mean, money is money. It's like, and you're doing something with Cancer Society. That's yeah, exactly. Like, a, not like I'm digging ditches here. Right. It's like yeah, I'm yeah, actually yeah, helping yeah. save people's lives, which is really not recruiting nice. Hitler Youth. I'm yeah. actually trying doing to... doing what? good work. Well, I did do that for a short. That was, of time, but, but you didn't know what you were I doing. I didn't know you thought it was I Little had, League. Yeah, exactly. thought it was another flag basketball team, and you were <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> it was. I thought it was so weird that all the logos for all the teams were iron crosses. Yeah, it was really but, strange. You know, that's how it works. Yeah, exactly. So why did you decide assess. to get out of Dodge? So I reached a point in Chicago that I was like, well, I could do commercials for the rest of my life, but it's not creatively satisfying. So it was like, I want to get more into the the film and TV stuff. I want to expand into. Uh, animation and video games because I had done one video game in Chicago. Oh, cool. Because it was like, I don't even know why they were casting out of there. It was like Midway was in Chicago for a while and so was EA. Uh, They're not there anymore. Um, So I did this game called Crisis and I was like, oh, I really dig this. This is... This is awesome stuff. I'm just voice, or did they motion capture? No, this you, was or? this was way before that. Like, okay, this so this is, this is, just, is voice. just voice stuff. So also another good business people don't realize. Oh, video game. Oh, well, that's is that's now pretty much it's like that's what I acting. do. Like yeah. the video game stuff is is what I book the most now. So I was like, well, what well, gets produced the most? What gets produced the most? Exactly, <laughs> lots games. of video games. So I came out here and I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna up the TV and film thing and and still do the voiceover and try to do the comedy thing. And then like three or four years later, like the film and TV thing had pretty much just gone to the wayside. And was like, yeah, I'm just gonna focus on the voiceover thing. <laughs> wow, and it's been and it's been really good. Like I, I lucked out that my Chicago agent got me an agent out here, and uh, and I've been with them for eight years and. Uh, and I've done, I want to say like 15 games, something like that. And I wow. did a uh, pilot for Amazon called Baron Underwear. It didn't go. Uh, I saw it, though. It yep. was good. You were yeah, good at it. That was, yeah. And uh, and I did a couple of episodes of this new show called Benicula on Cartoon Network for Warner Brothers, where I just basically did some monster noises. So it's like I've had a little bit of success with that and commercials, and, and I love it, and it's great. And like the voiceover world 
what people don't understand about it is a mafia. Like it is yeah. a very, it's a very. We're gonna open the books. Small, We're gonna let you in. Yeah, it's a very small niche community. But the reason it's like that is because it is. It's very welcoming. Yeah. Like once you're in, once you're in. Everybody is just like, you know what? I know what I sound like. I know what you sound like. Take this because I'm not. It's not yeah, right for me. Exactly. And it's like, it's like if I go up for something against you and you get it and I don't, it's because they want what you sound like. Right. They don't want what I sound like. <laughs> so there's so much less pressure. But people need to understand that that exact science of what you're talking about exists like... If if me and Brian going for the same part, we're acting. They go with him because of his look, the way he, yeah. the choices he made. It's not because they hate me, right? It's not because they're mad, <clears throat> and I can't be mad at Brian for getting the part over me. No, but that is, it doesn't seem to work. It doesn't seem to go that smooth, like you're talking about. It no, does well, in the VO because world. It, it is that way in the on camera world. But in the on camera world, there's also that extra layer of like, oh well. They're taller than our leading lady, or they're shorter than our leading lady, yeah. or, or uh, I don't want to cast that guy because he looks like the casting director's ex boyfriend, yeah. or you yep. know, or it's like, oh, they're interesting. Like, there's all those little things, like I don't like their haircut or whatever. You know, meanwhile so. they're just closing their eyes, listening to you, right? But let me ask you this, because this is this is a thing where a lot of people they move out here, they want to be a commercial actor, or they want to be in television or film. There is an element of vanity. Yeah, the, the weird thing about doing voice work is that you could have a full very successful career make a lot of money and no you could no one will ever absolutely know who you are and so you have there are you do kind of have to deal with that right like and yeah. if you don't care but that's no. that can be fantastic it can be but my point yeah. did you understand what i'm saying for oh, some yeah. people they, they they may battle with that because when when big movies are made they go get the stars to do the main voices totally. because they still promote, even though it's just a character and it's a cartoon, yeah. they still want it as the voice of so-and-so. And so there, yeah. there's a step back, right? There's always Absolutely. a step back because you're not... And, you and know, I've never, person. like, and that's never been a priority for me. Like, But do you see that in this world where for some people are like, why don't we just get some more? We're the, we're the voice people. Like, why do they oh, have yeah. to get... Oh, oh, totally. Well, there's there's a lot of like celebrity casting now, which used to not be the case. Like yeah. Aladdin changed that. You know, before Robin Williams was the genie, like celebrities didn't do cartoons. Yeah, like, they, they just got the best in the game. Like, to do it. Yeah, and I I actually a couple of years ago I booked a, a Weinstein animated movie called Escape from Planet Earth, and was like not one of the main characters, but one of like the funnier ancillary characters. It was like it was a meaty role, and I was mm-hmm. really happy with it. And it was like me and Harlan Williams. So I love Harlan. Like, yeah, you know, it, like Harlan Williams isn't you know a no name. Like he knows right. what he's doing. Yeah. And a couple of a uh, couple of months before they released the movie, they were like, you know, what? we're going to go with an all celebrity voice cast, and they re-recorded us as uh, Steve Zahn and Chris Parnell. So it's like I can't fault Zahn and Parnell for doing it, and no. I can't fault the Weinstein's <laughs> for doing it because it's like that's just the way the that's culture how they is market moving. stuff. But it was yeah. like I was so Sucks, excited. Though. It was yeah, like my man. first it's animated feature, feature yeah. like ready to rock and roll. So it's like you know, but you kind of have to take those punches. You yeah, kinda just go. You know, like the that's the business. Of, yeah, I yeah. got my first reoccurring on a sitcom, and it was yeah. canceled the week my thing was supposed to air. You know, you can't. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, you and and that's that's happens. The, I think the the hardest part about this career, as you guys know, is is developing that thick skin and just kind of letting the failures roll off and letting and not and, stopping and, and keeping not stopping. Go, and keeping going and, and letting the successes roll off too. Yeah. So it's like when you get a success and you get a thing, you're like, oh, this is gonna be the thing, and it's not. 
just going, okay, what's okay. the next what? thing? But it was something. I'm proud of it. It happened. Yeah. We're done. I can move on. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so you just kind of take the jobs as they come and, and enjoy them as they are. Now, at what point, because you are also a published author. Yes. At what point yes. were you, which as, 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 as impressive it is as you got into the voiceover mafia, which which is great. I to me, I always wanted to be a writer when I was younger. Like yeah. I wanted to be Hunter Thompson. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, so, but I. <clears throat> but you just did all the drugs and the other stuff, and yeah, I just did right. everything. Never got around to the, the writing, writing. Yeah. Yeah. Except, except the actual writing, yeah. where it's like, oh, I just put a bunch of mescaline in my trunk, yeah. and that was that. Was that was that. Prison for three years, and then, <laughs> yeah. and then. But I mean, I tried writing fine. a novel when I moved out to L.A., and it just sucked. I was like, I you suck know what? at this. I, I hate this. I wrote. I kind of I got into the novel writing thing in the same way that I got into the Second City thing, where it was a friend of mine was was doing the National Novel Writing Month, which I don't know if you guys know about this. It's a thing where like every November, people from around the world say, "I'm going to write a fifty thousand word novella in thirty days," and I'm not going to stop. It, do, it like it's going to be crap. It doesn't matter. Like it's just going to be terrible. But I'm going to get it done. And I've never just heard of do this. It. Yeah. So and it's like it's crazy popular like hundreds of thousands of people do it around the world now. And and so a buddy of mine, my roommate at the time was was like, "Hey, I'm going to do this novel writing thing." And I was like, "Well, I'll try that." And so we we did. We just kind of had a competition. We're like, "Okay, well, we can we get through this 50,000 word novel in a month?" And that first book is oh, oh my god, it's so bad. It is so god awful, but there was a little bit of some nuggets in there that I was. But I was like, gonna say you wrote it fifty thousand in a month. I mean, yeah. what you can't expect like no. There's no going back and looking at chapter Not one at and rewriting Absolutely. and like and that's, formulating that's ideas. The point. And that's the point. It's the same way when you're writing a screenplay where you're just, just like, shit it all yeah. out first and then, and then we'll go, go in and we'll we'll Make edit it, it or whatever. Edit it later. So I did that that first year, and I was like, okay, well, th- I'm not going to do anything with this because it's kind of crappy. But that was a fun experiment. Yeah, I'm going to do that again next year. And so then I did it for four years, and it wasn't until the fourth year that I did it that I wrote a book that I was like, I think I can turn this into something. I think there's more than just a nugget here. And then it took me four years before I did anything with it. Like I, I wrote the first draft in 2004, and I didn't start... No, I wrote the... I'm sorry. I wrote the first draft in 2008, and I didn't start really doing anything with it until 2012. And again, speaking of getting a hard thing to get into, good luck getting published. Well, because this, is, this is the thing is that I'm like, I'm independently published. Like I, I don't have like a publishing deal because I tried to break into the normal publishing realm and it is near impossible if you don't have an MFA in creative writing or you didn't go through the Iowa Writers Workshop or you, you know, didn't serve in Blackwater and have that backstory. You know, it's like they're, it's really hard to do that. So that's good. It has it has its own it does. to jump through. But it's it's gotten to the point now with Amazon and Nook and Kobo that you can actually make as much, if not more, money publishing. independently publishing than going with a traditional. There, there is truth to that, but like anything else, just so people don't think that it's delusional. Oh, no. There there there's there's a little bit of luck involved. You could totally. hit, you could write the right thing that just happens to catch fire. Yeah. You still need the reviews. You and still, I'm, you, and have, I'm, you have to do all the work. Yeah. But you also receive more of the benefits. And I'm and I'm not one of those people. Like I'm not one of those people that's making ten grand a month selling books. Like but, I'm, it's, but it is more yeah. it is possible because <laughs> it of the way is, things it's are abs- now. It's absolutely yeah. possible for people to do that. And like I'd love to be one of those people. 
but it's like right now I'm just happy if you know folks download it and read the book and you know it's like so what now, was that your process? first book what, what what was your first book called so the first book is called the last will and testament of Ernie politics okay so that was and your first book that's well that's 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 the book that I ended up doing something with the the original book that I wrote way back when that was garbage that no one will ever see is called the book of Hal and it's a it's sort of a a comedy version of the Da Vinci Code okay so. Um, but this this book is it, it was inspired by I was working in a restaurant at the time and it was one of those hot as balls terrible Los Angeles summers and I went to the back and lifted the lid of the ice machine and I was like I would just I just want to live in here I just want to crawl in this thing right here and I was like you know what if I was a homeless person I would find a hotel like a seedy motel and just like hang out at the ice machine. And crawling, and that became the first chapter of a guy crawling in an ice machine and falling asleep to try to get arrested. And so, and then the book grew from there. So it's yeah. a it's a book about a homeless man. Whoops, uh, a homeless man searching for his best friend's murderer. So the book just kind of grew from there. Is that he got arrested, and then when he gets into prison, he finds a note that his friend left, and it kind of leads him on this but, path. But yeah. it's it's what I love about this book is I this is the book I read. I read your first. In this first published book. <clears throat> what I loved about it was that it's modern day. Yeah. But because these guys are homeless, there is no technology. No. They don't use Google. They don't, you know what I mean? They don't do any of that yeah. shit. So uh, it, it was no cell phones, no internet, no, you know, it was just they had to solve this whole thing with like, Street smarts, word of mouth, boots to the ground, that yeah. whole thing. And, and that I, was that was the point. Is yeah. I wanted to sort of do an homage to the old like Dashiell Hammett, Raymond Chandler, noir pulp novels, right? Where it's like all these guys had their wits was their wits in the street. Yeah. You know, they didn't have a couple um, of dames under yeah. their belts. Yeah, a couple exactly. of sips of bourbon. So you know, I tried to turn all those tropes uh, on their head, and then. When I was done with it, and I kind of put it out in the world and was like, well, I don't know if anybody's going to like this. And then people started responding to it. They were like, well, when's the next one? I was like, well, I didn't plan on there being a next one. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> so then I started writing the second one and and uh, and had a lot of trouble kind of finding what I wanted the progression of the story to be. And... In the in the interim, I had written a lot of sketch comedy, and I had written some screenplays and some pilots, and realized like, well, the thing that I love about TV now is that it's so serialized that something that they set up in the pilot that they didn't know was a setup comes back in the finale. Yeah, you know, it's like stuff from Breaking Bad that they set up in the pilot came back in that final season, and it's like they didn't plan that far ahead. No, they just they went back and looked at their stuff and were like, this oh, could be something. This could be a thing. So I went back and I read the book and I was like, oh, this could be a thing. So I started to like pluck little things from oh, nice. my manuscript and put them into the second book and be like, the theme of, of the first book is, is trust no one. The theme of the second book is actions have consequences. So it's like the stuff that he does as sort of a throwaway in the first book come back to haunt him in the second book. Okay, And then... Yeah, and then the, the, the third one is, you know, it, the, the theme is kind of everything is connected. So You're I'm writing, writing the third I'm one I'm writing now. the third one right now. Okay. So now it's, you know, the things that he did in the first one got him into a jam in the second one, and then he has to get out of it by the third one. So gotcha. Now, have you combined okay. your yeah. uh, uh, your worlds? Do you, do you do Audible? Do you do the... Um... You know what? I, I thought about it for a while. I was like, well, you know, I could narrate my book, and I've got a lot of friends that do audiobooks. I'm 
awful. Oh, okay. I am. I hate. Really? I am not good at audiobooks. Like, oh, I feel like you'd be good at reading your own work, though. You would think so. Yeah. <laughs> did you did you did you dabble? Did you test it out? I did. See? I tested out. Like I just did pretty much what we're doing here. It's like I've got a little home recording studio that right. I do for auditions, and so I just I read the first couple of chapters and came out, then. And did put you it in ask anybody band. else, or do you hate yourself? And so, I, you, so you judge well, yourself and never let anybody listen to I it. I never let anybody listen to it, but at the same time, I've been doing voiceover long enough and self auditioning long enough that, like, I know when something doesn't sound right. So you're not that harsh for judging it yourself when you do self audition. You're like, yeah, this is good. So yeah. it wasn't one of these things where, like, you hate everything. You no, absolutely not. And and that thing where people can't stand the sound of their own voice. Right. Like, yeah. I got over that a long time yeah. ago. You're like, I love the sound of my own voice. Yeah, because I the, listen to myself. I, I love it. It's the guys, best. Let's, it's all, the let's all talk really deep right now. Let's all have, let's all listen to our voices. Well, I mean, how amazing our. But here's the thing: if you had to, if you had you're to, not go, participating. If if you had to go to your. <laughs> If you had to go to your commercial voiceover agent right now and say, I've got two guys, John or Brian, who would you recommend (laughs) uh, to be the next um, voiceover talent of America? Well, based on the voice you're doing now, Brian. (laughs) So so this isn't doing it for you. But but I could talk up here like this. I could talk up here. I can do silly voices. Well, that's that's another thing about voiceover is that everybody... uh, Everybody that's like, oh yeah, I can do silly voices. I get into yeah, voice over. It's like voice that's not, silly voices. That's not what it is. Buy a like, Ford. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like voiceover is voice acting, and it's voice acting first. Right. So whenever somebody's like, I want to be a voice actor, how do I get into that? I was like, well, first become an actor. <laughs> yeah, I still have to understand how, yeah. how to sell something in, in, yeah. in voice. Yeah. Um, when you put the book out. Mm-hmm. Um, the first book, when did you know that it had gotten traction? Because obviously you're independently publishing it anyway. You have no idea no, what how it was, was going to grasp. So what did you what, what what did you do? It's it's not as simple as just going, book is done, I'm going to upload this to the yeah, worldwide interwebs like, and the rest of the world yeah, is well, going to find it. That's that's pretty much what I did. I, like, I uploaded it to, to Amazon. Con- so you had to contact Amazon. There's yeah. a process of yeah, getting there's a book totally out a, there. There's right. totally a process. So I, I went through Amazon first, and for, just a, for a year it was just on Amazon. Okay. And, and did, but how did you get traction on Amazon? Do you do you like a lot of a lot of people that I know? Uh-huh. Every once in a while, I'll get the email. Hey, go and review my book or do my review thing. Is that kind right. of the, okay? Yeah. So, well, Amazon has changed, but the way it was when I started is that you could offer the book for free for for a short period of time. And then it would kind of show up in people's uh, like recommended feeds. Oh, okay. So people could just like randos could download it, and it okay. would be it would be fine. So it's like I had a couple of reviews on there from friends and family, like everybody does. Sure. And then I started to get these reviews of people that I didn't, didn't know. know. Well, that's nice. So a good positive reviews. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I like I would try to contact them or send them an email and just be like, oh, hey, hey thanks, thanks for my review. Just to be like, is this somebody I don't know under yeah. an alias? Right. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, these were people that I I don't know. No, I read your book met. and liked it. Yeah, that read the book and and liked it. So it was like, okay, well, it's not a lot of people, but it's enough to it's be like, somebody. okay, there's there's an audience here. Yeah, it's not only friends and family who are right. like, you're a great writer, Brad. Yeah, exactly. Like, Good Am I? <laughs> job. Good <laughs> going. Yeah. So yeah, so I was like, well, okay, well, this will be worth it to write a second one and see uh, see how people react to that. And the the second one hasn't had as much traction just because Amazon did change their policy as mm. far as that goes. Okay. So about like discoverability for books. Oh, okay. Um, but all the people that read the first one that I didn't know that read the second one were just like, now they're 
champion of the okay. for number three. Good. So it's like, okay, well, this is something that's definitely going to be worth my time. And I, uh, I've got a literary manager who like who read it and he was like, we can we can try to turn this into something. We can okay. try to get this option. So what, that's what, awesome. Define. Um, uh, we would make a good movie, the first one at least. Yeah, um, it would be fun. Well, yeah. we were talking about even doing like a limited series like Fargo or something. Oh like yeah. So yeah, but. Define literary literary success in respects to what your expectations are in in, in in the time you put into making doing a book and what you expect out of it. Like where where do you set the bar for yourself? And well, what? I mean, ultimately, I would like I would be like to be making enough money from the books that I can just pay my bills. Like what what my nut is for the month. You know, you're making in books. Yeah, I'm making in books. That would for me that would be success. So it's like I'm I'm not there yet. Okay. But for the longest time, for me, it was just like I just I want people to read it. I want okay. as many human beings out there to read it and enjoy it. So you, it was worth the risk. It was absolutely worth the risk. Okay. And there's there's some money involved in it. You know, it's like you are putting money down for book covers and and marketing and all this sort of stuff. So you are laying out between five hundred and grand per book. Do you have the but, option of of not? Having a hardcover, or do you feel yeah, like you I have just do, to? You I have just do to paperbacks. But so you, but you. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say hardcover. What, what I meant. Oh, you mean like a physical, physical book? Do you feel the need that that there's a that because people read books, there's still that touchy feely aspect that you have to? I don't do feel it? there's the need for it, but I love physical books. I okay. yeah, that's how yeah. I read it. I bought it. What's the like, most you're willing yeah. to? Uh, Print out. Are you doing it based on demand? It's on. It's on demand. It is on demand. So you don't have to No. So it's like I. I but it's more expensive when you do it on demand. Exactly. Okay. But but I mean they're not that expensive. It's like right now I've got I've got the first book. It's actually free right now because I want to drive people to the second book. So the physical book. No, the just the 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 ebook. So the so the ebook is free, and then the second book is three ninety nine for the ebook and then the physical book the first book is like 11.99 and the okay. second one is 13 it's not crazy which is okay. less than most paperbacks in the store uh, right? yeah yeah, right, right, yeah. Right. like yeah. most paperbacks 15, is 15 to 16 17 dollars yeah. so it's like you're still it's still cheaper than what you'd be getting in the store and it's like i'm not seeing a lot of money from any of those sales it's like two bucks a book right but you know it's like as as stuff progresses and and opens up a little bit you know hopefully there'll there'll be a, a little bit more interest so that's cool yeah. that you're doing it yeah it's it uh, like it it was. It began as sort of an experiment, and then kind of grew into something where it's like, no, this is this is actually worth pursuing and doing. So, uh, do you, is your is your family were they always supportive? Uh, yeah. What do they think of what you got going on? They, your, your your journey, like, are they into it at all? Yeah, they they? They, okay. they love it. Like my my parents have always been super supportive. Like their their biggest thing has always just been, you know what, this is what you want to do, and this is what makes you happy, as long as you have groceries and a roof yeah. over your head as long as you can like, live yeah go for it do it and like those times when i've had to go back and get a survival job it's like i'm driving lift right now i have to you know go back and wait i have tables. a mustache upstairs if you want it. <laughs> oh, for some no, reason the lift good. driver in san diego gave it to my kid and now my kids <laughs> fight over a pink mustache oh god <laughs> this is crazy. um but my parents my parents are, have always been like you know what we we don't care we don't you know do what you need to do to pay the bills you yeah know, there's no there's no judgment there and and like they've always been super supportive of the writing and the and the acting and they they love it you know it's it's like everything else you know you guys know it's like you're in a commercial and it's like everybody's like oh look you're in a 
the commercial. Yeah. It's like I did it. It, I bring, did, it brings validity for like five minutes from everybody else. Yeah, it's know? like I just I did a Super Bowl commercial this year, and everybody but, was like, "Oh my god, you're in a Super Bowl commercial!" But that's you were pretty in the game, cool, right? man. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because yeah. actually, look at you like you're in the game. That. Yeah, exactly. You, you won the lottery of like commercial totally. because more Americans watch the Super Bowl for the commercials than do for the. Stupid everybody watches the commercials. Yeah, right. Fucking Not game just Americans, yeah, but exactly. everybody. So yeah, I've been I've been very lucky that my whole family has been really supportive because I I don't understand how to get to this point in my career as I'm approaching 40 without that support system. Yeah, now, it's amazing you, when families don't support and somebody still makes it because you're like, Jesus, Yeah, how do I, you do that? I don't, I don't. Do you it. schedule yourself a massive party every time you go back to Wausau and make sure that everybody knows oh, the, king, totally. the king is back, back you in You go town. to Mr. Yeah. Nasty's, that's the strip club? <laughs> do we know who the most successful person out of Wausau is? Do we know? Dave Craig? The quarterback. quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, right? Yeah, Lefty. He played, he played for uh, DC Everest High School and played for uh, the Seahawks and the Bears, I think, too. So it's 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 a sports person. I think the most so. successful. Uh, yeah. Do we know who film and television? If anybody's come out of that area, I don't know. I don't know either. I I, I don't I, think so. It's Brad it's a, Grusnick. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Done. Is your name anywhere inside the high school yet? Not anywhere. Let's work on that. Spray paint it on something. Close. Let's write it in a locker. <laughs> <laughs> we can do this ourselves, right? We don't need. We don't. Yeah, we don't. We don't. Actually, we'll, we'll my, have a ceremony. Uh, my, we'll get high behind the school and then just yeah. go spray paint it in a locker. My high school is now an apartment building. Oh, Ooh. okay. So they, even they easier it, for us to do. They it. changed it into an apartment. Just building. Just on the top, yeah. though, there's still school at the bottom. <laughs> oh. like people live above the school. What was the name of the school? Wassa East. So Wassa what, East. Uh, what was going on on the west side of town? Oh, they, those were the Warriors. We didn't talk to the Warriors. We were the Lumberjacks. Oh, you were the Lumberjacks. That was the, yeah, yeah. that was incidentally that was the uh, mascot of my college. The, the Lumberjacks. Lumberjacks. The Lumberjacks and the Lumberjills were the <laughs> basketball team. Nice, because you went to the college in Northern Wisconsin, right? Ashland. Yeah, yeah. So. Drove, had to drive through Wausau to get to <laughs> my aunt's golf course in Rhinelander. Your your aunt's golf course. She owned a golf course. Yeah, my, aunt, yeah. my, co- my cousin runs it now. Yes, yeah. yes, I have golfed on that golf course, and it is massive, and yeah. it is not easy to do. It is a long, it's a long. It's a big long, course. Is it, big it's course. All par fives. It's par there are tens. a lot of par fives. <laughs> there are par fifteens. I have lost a lot of golf balls because it's oh, so dude. long. You you hit the ball. You're like, I don't. Yeah, you're I don't like, know. That's, that's gone. That's no in idea. the woods. That's a uh, badger has. No, that. it's, it's massive. Gone. The course yeah. is so massive. You can lose golf balls on the course. It's. I've never You're been on a golf course it, like mean, that where I'm like I yeah. hit a, a beautiful I've shot. Like, bunch, can't find so my fucking maybe golf I'm used ball. To it. There's no fairway. There's no, just rough. It's just, it's just rough. Yeah, well, my brother rolled a cart. My brother rolled a cart oh, on that God. course. We were driving. Me and my, him, Love my cousin, were driving around, and he like for some reason going down these this steep hill like. Just turned it sideways. Oh and like, my god! Had to jump out. And he was like ah! crying. You're we like little kids. I was like Jesus, dude. You're like, oh, you messed up. Yeah, how'd you do that? that like, is I was not like, roll a golf good. cart. Yeah, Rhinelander. So but the, the Super Bowl commercial, really quick, was the yeah. was the, the Honda. Fit. It was it was the Hyundai, Hyundai. Bears. It's like it's you're a, chasing it's like through two, the woods. Yeah, two hikers are running and bears are. Start chasing. my car. And yeah, they're, they're doing everything through their uh-huh. watch. Right? Yeah, and I'm yeah. one of the bears. Yeah. Now, did you do the bear as Atticus Finch? Your your most famous. I did, I I did. I did it as that. Scout, Dill? Yeah. Dill? Jim? (laughs) Boo Radley. Yeah. Um, when is your next book uh, the potentially next, due? Like, the, what are you trying to? I'm I'm hoping to release it by the end of 2016. Oh, so okay. I'm about I'm about halfway through it right now. Okay. Uh, I started writing it and then I had to stop because I realized that I had a story, but I did or I had a plot, but I didn't have a story. Like, I didn't know what the emotional arc of my two main characters were. Right. I was just writing things that happened, and then I was like, okay, I need to go back and figure out what 
the point of this is. Now, I have a very important question in respects to, you know, I, I know how people write screenplays, but when, when you're writing a book, mm-hmm. do you say out loud, chapter one? And when you finish <laughs> that one, do you say chapter two? And then you start typing. I do. And I've, okay. got, my, I've got my bourbon sitting there in front of my <laughs> and typewriter. And then at the end of yeah. every every novel, you smoke a cigarette? What do you do? I do. I, and then I, do you I say smoke, the I smoke and one of you those, say these uh, things out loud? I do. He I writes type, fin. I type he writes fin. 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 Fiend, and I light one of my long lady cigarettes, ah, and I put that in my mouth. Virginia Slims. Yeah, exactly. My long like, lady cigarettes. With a cigarette holder, <laughs> make it yeah, even longer. Exactly. Do you look around? Do you turn around, look around the room for confirmation, and realize you're all by yourself? Yeah, I just do that. That like, yep, yep, no, nope, nothing. No, I uh, yeah. Close the laptop yeah. and scene. Right. I just I write in the tub like Truman Capote. I just, <laughs> oh, perfect. I just fill it with Mr. Bubble, and I just go nuts. You know, <laughs> Love it. it's fantastic. <laughs> you, uh, is it when you are writing a book though? Is it something like you're like every morning, every afternoon. Yeah, it's like, a, you. You have to. You have to exercise that muscle. Cause which is you, why you and I will never do it. He yeah, just, he just yeah. nailed the nail on the head. We cannot do yeah, that. Yeah, because if do you do something every day, because yeah, yeah, if you because if you stop, especially with a book, is that there's so much going on that you're trying to keep in your head, even if you've got an outline that you're trying to keep character motivations and what happened and 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 how. You know, one little detail leads to another little detail. Like if you stop for more than a couple days, like sometimes I'll just I'll take a weekend off. Obviously, right, like I don't write right. every day. But when you're in it, if you're not focused on that every day and you knowing lose, like you what, lose out, yeah, you do, and and you lose you lose motivation. You know, it's like it becomes a habit. Like if you're if you're not writing every day, you break that habit. Right. Okay. So you know, and I, it's the same thing. Well, I'm sure as you guys know, like writing jokes where it's like when you decide to like sit down and like, okay, I'm going to write a set. Like, okay, well, I'm going to lose a little bit if I don't kind of think about doing this a little bit every day. You know, I'm going to lose a step. Well, yeah, it specifically comes to when your stage performance, if you, yeah. you're only so good based on the amount of time that you put into it. Totally. You know what I mean? If right. you don't, right. your, your jokes will develop and get stronger. By yeah. putting the time in on stage so you learn the intricacies. And again, it, it really is motivation. Like, every joke has a motivation as well. Oh, right. I mean, even if it's just to set a punch, it still has a motivation that has to be delivered a certain way to that audience. So, yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Which I think why a lot of comics, though, they write on stage because they don't have <laughs> yeah. that ability to sit down and actually write it out. You'd be surprised yeah. how many comics actually don't write out their material word for word right. until they have to do a TV set and then they're uh-huh. really angry. Yeah, and then they they're, then they're like, I gotta, I gotta come up with four clean minutes. Well, yeah. Where do I find four or, clean minutes? Or I remember uh, Al Madrigal telling me he hired a stenographer to come and just, because you have to turn in, if you're doing a comedy century, you have to turn in your set word for word, you know? Oh, wow. So he had a stenographer come and I was like, I go, at the time, I was I was like, oh yeah, good idea. But mm-hmm. then when it came time, like I got live at Gotham, and they were like, "Hey, if you could, we'd really love to see a copy of your set as close to word for word as you could get it as soon as you could get it to us. No pressure." And I literally just wow. went to the set that I had recorded that I got the show with, put it on mm-hmm. headphones, and just typed it out. And I was done in fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. it was a. Six minute set. That's that's funny because the, one of the reasons that I I stuck with sketch comedy instead of pursuing the stand up, even though that's kind of where my comedy gene started, was because it was like, well, I don't want to write out a set and then do that same set over and over and over again. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. it's like I I don't have that ability to hone a joke where it's like I'd rather be You'd rather on move stage. and do something else and exactly. Whereas like I'm happy to sit down with a manuscript and go over the same chapter for three weeks right. to get 
the words right. Like, I, I don't know what the difference is. Well, I mean, that's yeah. just, you know, to each his own, really. It's just who you are. Yeah, it's yeah. Wh- but, where, where your interests lie. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. like, when you guys find that you're putting a set together, like, do you do you find that you're doing a lot of offstage refining, or is most of the stuff... I do all mine on stage, stage which yeah. has probably been my, uh, my, the, my greatest moments and also simultaneously my curse. I don't uh-huh. spend a lot of time sitting down thinking about it because I need audience reaction myself personally. Uh, to to uh, refine my material, I need that. Okay. Even the, even if I think it's funny, I still need to do it in front of people. Well, yeah, because you you want to make sure it's like okay. Well, I think that hitting this word versus another word is yeah. going to do it until I actually do it and on stage. I, yeah. It's not going to make it on stage like twenty five times. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. the problem. So I won't. I, I I very rarely will I write out a a, a monologueish joke, if you will, because I'm more of a storyteller, not a set of punch. Mm-hmm. I will not write that whole thing out because my attitude is it's kind of pointless. Yeah. Because I'm not going to stick to this script when I get on stage. I'm, it's going to it's going to change. I don't know how you are, John. But I I write out whole things as I, as I'm working on them. Like if I get an idea for a joke, and then I'll start like okay, I'll try it on stage, and I'm like okay, and then I will write it out. If it's longer, I'll write it out. Try to be a word for word type write out so that I can see. Okay, this is funnier. Don't. This is pointless. This yeah, get yeah. rid of this. And usually it shortens it. And then once I start saying it the way I want it, there's no more real writing. I just focus on order. So for me, it's like. I want this chunk of a set, depending on how long is it going to be, you have 15 minutes. In 15 minutes, I want to say these things. So which what's the order? You know what I mean? Okay. It's like, that's that's where... And and then just making them making it kind of connect. And if I have to add, then I write in something that, that will connect it or a funny phrase or whatever. But for the most part, yeah, it's all done. And then I take that to the stage because that's the only way I'm going to... Yeah, you know, get that like feedback in, until that you I need. get that audience reaction, and then once I get the audience reaction consistently that I want, then I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, this is how I should probably tell this joke. Yeah, you know? and then that it goes from there. I understand. Yeah, because yeah, like the the way I did uh, the the reason that I loved coming up through the improv stuff is that like the fear is what drove me. Yeah, is that like not knowing what was coming next and getting up there and be like, well, this is either going to succeed or it's going to fail, but. It's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. and that's and I like a certain element of that. I take going yeah. back to your thing. There are certain friends that we have mm-hmm. that for ten years have been telling the same jokes, and it, and it has yeah. done well for them. But I look at that to me, that's boring. Right. So oh, yeah, I, it makes me want to kill myself. What keeps it fresh for me is I I will what I will do is I will build a set, and I mm-hmm. will allow myself the privilege of the unknown within the set. Okay. So I, I, it keeps me on my toes. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll tell these couple jokes that I know I got to tell, and then I don't know what the fuck's going to happen yeah, next, and like I get excited about that. I'm yeah. not afraid of that world. Mm-hmm. And to me, there's something... So I, I always know a nugget, even if it's just a word or a catchphrase. Yeah. Or not a catchphrase. I'm not a catchphrase guy, but I'm not selling T-shirts. But my point is... <laughs> Here's your something, sign. Yeah, that's right. But something <laughs> comes out of that, and, you're, and you go, holy shit, yeah. <laughs> and I did. I created some. I, I, you know I created that, right? The Here's, Here's your sign. Because yeah, you yeah. toured with those guys, right? No. no. <laughs> Bill Engvall? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, it's yeah, like so I wrote I wrote jokes for those guys. I was do the that. You allow guy. yourself the the moment of like the unknown. Well, I, to me, I was just gonna say it's it's a little bit less uh, when it comes to stand up for me. But there's always an unknown of just like I'm gonna get on stage. Is this gonna go well? Like there's always like because well, audiences if I'm, are different. Yeah, even yeah. if I'm saying the same thing I said in an earlier set or the night before, it's like are these people gonna react as good or as poorly yeah. as everyone else did? And then I I don't allow too much. I've if I'm doing a longer set, yeah, I slow it way down and I do talk to the audience a little more. But I, I don't allow for too much unknown except for the audience, which is they could be drunk, they could be high, right. they could be pissed, they could be, you know, they all just got fired. 
Do you have a joke? Uh, we'll, we'll wrap up on this, but, I, but it just reminds me of, of, of a, uh, one of my favorite moments in stand-up. Do you have a joke that you told once, and it fucking destroyed? And then that joke never, ever, ever, worked, ever never, again. Never I, played again? There, yeah. there is a joke, that I, and, I, and I wouldn't let go of this fucking thing. <laughs> I know, but, but like, you you're like, reaction, it worked once. It, yeah. I mean, but it crushed, and it was, I was like, there's something there. It crushed, and I, I would tell that joke for years after that, yeah. trying to get back to that, that heroin-like moment. Yeah. And it never did. And to this day, I still I, I know the joke, and I and I, I don't do it anymore. But every once in a while, I would throw it. I would just go back. You'd be like, it's gonna, gonna it's gonna work. It's, it's got to work. What's the joke? I used to tell a joke about my dad was really creative, and that I was in the Boy Scouts, and in the Boy Scouts they would give you you'd have to go home and do father son projects, and okay. they would give you a bag of crap to go home, and you would have to build something out. It'd be like a a beer can, nails, and like a bunch of wood, and you guys would have to you know find make something, a bird make out of it. Yeah, make yeah. It out. So uh, everybody brings it back, and it's a contest, so you get judged on it. And when me and my dad is, my dad is very creative. We put our thing together. I brought it back, and my dad gets, got disqualified, which is true. This is a true story. My dad got disqualified from the event, and he was really pissed that he got disqualified. They said, clearly what my dad made, there was absolutely no way that what he made, he made legally. He didn't stay within the bounds of the rules. And it really upset me because that dog lived for another seven years. <laughs> and no one ever... Laughed at that joke really? ever again. Well, so everything about that story is true, except a, except, yeah, except the, the punchline, yeah, right. right? Well, like, and no, the, the first the, time I told that mechanic. joke, it was it was magical, yeah. magical. Like everybody got the joke, everybody got the uh-huh. punchline, and never. Where were you when you ever, told it? Family I don't reunion? remember. I don't. <laughs> But I, it's one Were of you my, at an old folks' home somewhere? <laughs> it's my personal favorite joke. Like yeah. I've always loved that joke. I'll, I don't tell and it then, anymore, but I like, love. And the there's joke. no reason for that joke not to work. No, yeah. like the mechanics are perfect. Yeah. Your delivery is great. Like there's no there's no reason for it not to land. Yeah. If, if you're listening, me and me and Brad are holding up signs that say ten. <laughs> We are. Um, this but is, yeah, this no. is your Nadia Comaneci. Yeah, right. I can't remember. I've had jokes where I know they've worked. You know, and then they didn't, and then I was just like, "What fucking happened there?" And it was either I've also had some things where a throwaway line gets the bigger laugh, yeah, than the actual. Uh-huh. So I keep the throwaway line in there, <laughs> yeah, to every time because that's what's getting the chuckle at the end of right. of a certain section, which then goes on to connect to something else that gets a laugh. It's not; it's there for a reason, and people don't know that when they first hear it. So yeah, right. And that's always been my stand-up fear: to be like the the guy on stage being like. And that's how I knew he was my uncle. <laughs> my uncle. <laughs> he was my uncle. Because my dad, my uncle. You know, like and people just go on this blank stares, like, uh, yeah. It's I actually mean, that was my fear that developed that changed my whole my whole concept of stand up. Yeah, where I went from just trying to find a way to tell a joke and be funny to actually becoming a storyteller and having a personal point of reference because I was always afraid of you never wanted to get hung up on a word or a catchphrase yeah. or any of that stuff. Because it was like I felt like if I couldn't if I couldn't hold myself to those standards over and over and over again, and there was nothing personal behind it, then where was I going with this yeah. stuff? And and it was a it was a huge change because I had to fail for a really long time. Because mm-hmm. once you go personal, that's like a, you're making people laugh well, at you have to. something that's only your yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah, and and the, I feel like the most successful comics are the ones that go deep, like you know, the, yeah, they, I mean, which yes is not no. which is not me. I want to be very clear because <laughs> I, I spend most of my time in my basement. So 
Right. Well, yeah. I was going to say that it does vary because there are guys like George Carlin who are very successful, but they don't talk at all about themselves. And then yeah. there's guys like Richard Pryor who all they talk about. But is But again, themselves. that's fine. There's yeah. different styles. It's, it's, you have to commit to one or the other. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can go back and forth, but it becomes confusing when you're on stage. Correct. Like. I've, yeah. I've seen guys just be kind of joke tellers and they tell jokes about when they were married, how they would never been married, then uh, they had kids, how they would never have kids. And it's like, those are just random jokes they wrote. And they're funny, but they don't tell you, you know, you don't know anything about that person. As soon as somebody mm-hmm. takes the stage, they judge you based on how they look. And they have oh, yeah. certain expectations of where you're going to go. You can go against those expectations and that's where you kind of like, you know that because you're challenging what totally. they think of you. Right. But otherwise, you got to play. You, you kind of have to play into their hands in a certain way. Absolutely. In order like, to develop your If Hedberg got on stage and was like, my minivan, yeah. you know, it's like, that would have yeah. been weird. Yeah. You know? Kids yeah. are crazy. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. ever changed your daughter's diaper and you're like, yeah, she shit my Don't hand. do Brian's material. <laughs> I don't have a daughter. I know. Yeah. All right. Um, great show, guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank thanks you for having for, me on, guys. I appreciate it. It was fun. Look, Remember. What, do you have a title for the third book? The the second book second is book. called The Last Dance of Low Seward. So we'll go to the first book, first, first second, okay. and third. So first book is The Last Will and Testament of Ernie Politics. And, okay. The second book is called The Last Dance of Low Seward. All right. And the tentative title for the third book is The Last Days of Ray Cobb. All right. And they can get this where? They Anywhere can get it now? on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, uh, online, on okay. Nook, Kobo. Uh, just search Grusnik. That's G-R-U-S-N-I-C-K, and it will come up. So it's Gru as in the... that's a Wisconsin the, version. That's Wisconsin. And what's your... Uh, do you have a Twitter and... I do. My, my Twitter is uh, Brad Grusnick, just my name, at nice. Brad Grusnick, and uh, Instagram is B Grus, but there's nothing in- interesting on there. <laughs> but I mean, if, if for Twitter, you're going to announce when the book is out and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I so announce everything on, you, on Twitter, and, and you can do that. And the, the website is strangescribe.com. You can go in there, and you can uh, sign up for the uh, mail list and get uh, some free books. Get on it, motherfuckers. Yeah, sounded like I we, think you just yeah you just yourself. like you just beeped yourself. That was but, awesome. but it sounded good, right? I've yeah, been, I've been that doing was that. Good. I've yeah. been kind of I do that uh, when I'm talking to people that I don't it's know. This new that bit, well. <laughs> that, just like the self editing. It's bit. not yeah. like a bit. It's just a real conversation. I'll be like, <laughs> and then these guys came out, and like I'll just do it now because it's like better than yelling fucking. You tricked both of us. We both. I yeah, we're like, wait, what happened there? I I have to watch. Like I've been pretty tame here, but I have to watch the swearing in real life. Like I I swear up a, a hot streak. Enjoy it. really bad. when you have kids. It'll all cut you. Then then <laughs> it'll you, all go. You away. stop, and then you start doing it again, and then the kids love the fact that you do it. So yeah. you know, it's totally like fun. Dad said, "Fuck." Yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. They, they, my kids have already said that. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> By the way, so you I get sent it. me a Christmas thing that was them saying <laughs> "fuck." I know. I said. Leave on this that, uh, earlier, but I want to leave on this one. So I, I have this problem where I like to listen to Howard Stern, or it's depending uh, on what music I have satellite. Yeah, it's always the turn on the car challenge. When the kids get in, I don't remember what the last thing was on the radio. <laughs> so this morning it yeah. was on just '90s music, and it was the song came on, and it was I wanna fuck you like an animal, and I was like, oh, and I had coffee Trent in my hands, Reznor? yes, <laughs> and I'm trying desperately to shut this thing off, and it's I and, wanna and the, feel you from the inside, <laughs> and I know, I know, it's, I know, fuck you like an animal's coming up, and I'm uh-huh. like, and I'm, now I can't, I can't move my hands, so right. I just start coughing really loud for no reason. Does, but does part of your brain also go like, don't react because maybe they're they'll not know something's up they're and then they'll listening. find this yeah, song? Let me, on the let me tell you something. They heard it uh-huh. and they just didn't say anything. It'll come up later. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they didn't forget. They yeah. just didn't it mention like, it then. Yeah, it's like, oh, dad, you don't want to take me to soccer practice? Or maybe you want to fuck mom like that? Yeah. You want to do that? <laughs> thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, dude, thank you, Brad. Guys, Appreciate get it. his books. Don't be dicks about it. Yeah. Great show, everyone. <laughs> 
Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. <laughs>